Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. Hey, what's up? This is Tom Segura. You're listening to Izzy Rock on the Tales from the Hard Side podcast. Hey, this is Brendan Walsh, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on Tales from the Hard Side. These are tales from the hard side, painted so vivid, kicking real life stories, not woven or knitted. Izzy Rock brings that rawness to all who listen, dropping heavy knowledge, knowledge, and sharing some wisdom. Going down that rough road only makes you tougher. It's a beautiful struggle. Sometimes we suffer. Let the people know you aren't in this alone. This talk is deep, it cuts down to the bone. No fakeness here, this as real as it gets. Hazardous on the mic, kick it live and direct. Spread that vibe everywhere, all across the globe. The idea's real simple, there's no secret code. Reach out to the people, spread that positive energy. Cause we're all looking for a little bit of serenity. Whatever little part of this planet you live in. These tales from the hard side are now transmitting. Transmitting. Welcome to episode 167 of the Tales from the Hard Side podcast. Today's podcast is with Todd the Fox and Queen Victoria as we discuss Sideshow 10 coming up this weekend, Friday, May 8th and Saturday, May 9th. Mr. Rock will be podcasting, so come to the booth and say hello. Please go to GoFundMe.com and donate to the podcast. Mr. Rock needs new equipment. Go rate, review, and subscribe. Please call the voicemail and leave a message. Call 937-265-2024. Thank you guys for checking out the Gym City Podcast. May 8th and 9th, 2015, we're going to be part of the Sideshow Dayton. We're going to have a tent set up where you can come and chat with us. We're going to chat with some of the artists and some of the bands and some of the people involved with the festival. So if you guys would go to gymcitypodcast.com for more information, go to daytonsideshow.org for more information. Come out. Hang out. It's free. What's up, guys? Welcome to this very special episode of the Gym City Podcast, and I'm going to release it on Tales from the Hard Side. This is a Sideshow X edition, Dayton Sideshow X edition. Uh, real briefly, you can go to gymcitypodcast.com for more information. Follow Gym City Podcast on social media at Gym City Podcast, and you can follow me on social media at The Izzy Rock, and go to theizzyrock.com, and you can also go check out my... Tells from the hard side if you're listening to Gym City Podcast and On the Block Podcast with my co-host Scott Epic, both found on iTunes and Stitcher. Today, I'm here with two amazing people who 
have played such a huge role in the Dayton art and music scene. And uh, I'm very happy to have them back on the podcast. Todd the Fox. Hi. And Queen Victoria. Hello. What's up? <laughs> you seem very shy. Are you, are you, are you? <laughs> well, after that introduction, I'm a little intimidated. Oh, <laughs> intimidated. I'm going to live up to and exceed it. <laughs> All right. Time to get down to brass tacks. Time to get down hey, to brass tacks. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Dude, I'm so glad uh, we're recording in the Fox, uh, Foxington Manor. Foxington Manor. It, you, you'll notice it's it's uh, as all kinds of uh, it's kind of like the Batcave. We've got all kinds of like memorabilia from like it. battles we fought in the past. Right, yeah. I love it. Guitars yeah. and suitcases. And... You you guys have good taste and and culture and good taste good taste <laughs> of music, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yes. you can tell by all the Star Wars books and figures and uh, hand hand knitted uh, Green Lantern stuff. And, uh, tons of Fox. Tons uh, of Fox yes, stuff. Yeah. Fox, Fox stuff. Yeah. Now, yes. did, are you collecting this or are people giving it to you? Well, people are giving it to me. Let, let me tell you, the, the secret to gift giving goes like this. You got to pick a team, like an organization of some type. You got to pick a color and an animal. And if you pick one of those three things, people always know what to give you for Christmas. That's true. So, like, I get a lot of Fox stuff for Christmas. Um, you know, if you are, if your team is, you know, your team could be, you know, the the Reds. Or your team could be Deuterus. Yeah. But, like, whatever your team is, like, you pick a team, you know, like, honestly, it could be, I guess, the the Democratic National Convention. Sure. That's, that's a team, right? Yep. Although, yeah. uh, team, team God, that could be the, a thing. Uh, <laughs> the general rule of thumb for me tends to be if, if you'd buy it for a 10-year-old boy... You can buy it for Victoria. That's pretty oh, true. So yeah. that's that's basically the truth. So I like that. That's that's a good attitude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're you're a big Star Wars fan. Yes. Yeah. She actually has the the original uh, the I all the kept, VHS. I have releases. kept a VCR alive so. because I have an original copy of the first Star Wars movies on VHS, yeah. and it's with, before they were edited. It's and actually, I will keep a VCR alive as long as it, yeah. I, I, so I can always watch the original Star Wars until they come out with the original unedited Star Wars. Yeah. on DVD. As a fa- uh, I know we're tangenting here, Sorry. and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. It's perfectly okay. It's going to be one of those days. D- does it bother you that they don't have the original out there? A little bit, but I have my VHSs. Yeah. So I can just pop those in, yeah. and I'm okay. All so, right. You know. All right. So the reason why we're here is <laughs> a huge. My my favorite festival is Sideshow. <laughs> Sideshow! Sideshow. And you guys <clears throat> took on the role of a huge role in organizing. Yeah, this year is actually a little different, too. Um, last year it was um, – previously it's been traditionally like um, the art coordinator, music coordinator, and then the volunteer coordinator. Um, so it generally falls upon like three to four, maybe five people to run the whole show. Mm-hmm. And th- given that everyone has day jobs, other commitments, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So we kind of talked after last year that it might be good to start planning earlier and to also maybe have more members. And like um, – so basically the structure is like there's a main committee of like six of us where we kind of just oversee it. Um, but then we have um, subcommittees. So we still have like the art, the music. A volunteer. We added a marketing and fundraising committee, and then we have a safety committee, um, and uh, then we have the kids' sideshow. We actually made that like a thing of its own because last year we felt like it kind of was an afterthought. Yeah. But we think it's important and nice to feel like if people want to bring their kids, that there's something for the kids to do. Yeah, yeah. and, and so, the past couple of years, I have seen kids there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about it a little bit. Let's let people know about sideshow if they've never heard of sideshow. Just a little backstory. Real quick, uh, in 2012, I started Tells from the Hard Side podcast, and a 
sometime in late 2012, early 2013, I was contacted by Eric, who started the Gym City podcast. And so we decided, let's let's collaborate together. And I figured I might as well go out to some local shows. <laughs> and so uh, I was I was telling you before the podcast, Todd, that you were the very first person. I forget what show it was. It was one of the um, carnival shows. It was uh, probably one of the Dirty Little Secrets or uh, what was the Johnny? Johnny yeah, Fizzbang. Whizbang. Yeah. Whizbang, yes. So it was one of those. I saw it and I was like, that looks cool and walked up to Oregon. Uh, no, Gillies. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden you were there in the in the walkway <laughs> and you were like in the entrance. And here you were. You were dressed up. You had your guitar. You had your hair done. And I was like, this dude looks cool. He's not like back when in the day when I used to go to the metal shows and the punk shows. Yeah. You look like somebody totally like what's what's this about? Well, in the 21st century, you have to wear a three-piece suit to be punk rock. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, like ev- everybody in the 20th century, you know, wear nice clothes, and then you then the people rebelling would put on uh you know g- ripped jeans and you know like the safety pins and like you know the rock t-shirts and stuff like. Well, now in the 21st century, CEOs of companies are wearing cargo shorts and jeans. So like to be counterculture and punk rock, you have to wear a three-piece suit. <laughs> it's a thing. But I saw you on stage, dude, and you had. You had your your drum was luggage. Yeah, literally a Samsonite suitcase. <laughs> yeah, and you were up there like putting out this energy and this positivity <laughs> that it was like, oh, what is this? I uh, and I I instantly became a fan of yours and and how nice you were when we came in. Like you were very welcoming. You as somebody who wanted to start getting into the community, that really meant a lot to me. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm glad I decided to be nice to you. <laughs> yeah. So let's. Flash forward to Sideshow, okay. which was May of that year. Okay. May of 2013. Uh, we see that it's happening, and we're like, my friend Scott and I were like, well, let's grab a video camera. Let's take our podcasting stuff. Let's go up there and do some stuff. Right. And I went up to Sideshow and walked in, and I felt like, here's my tribe. Yeah. Right Here, on. Like, yeah. here's that's my tribe. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what we go for, yeah. Uh, you walked in on a really, really interesting moment in Sideshow history, too, mm-hmm. because we were really, I, th- I believe that was uh, Sideshow Side 8. Sideshow 8, yep. So Sideshow 8 was, uh, there was a bunch of new ideas that we were implementing, including the double stage out in the parking lot. Oh. And we were also implementing the, uh, trying out the idea of like, <laughs> what if we had like an acoustic open mic stage? You know, that, that had never been done at Sideshow before. It was always like listed bands so it, like the acoustic bands and the heavy bands and everything would go on the same stage and previous there would be like one stage and there would be like a weird downtime of like well this band plays for you know 40 minutes and then it's going to take another 25 and 25 minutes and 37 seconds to get them off and get the next band on so there's like a lot of downtime people milling around you know like losing crowd people like well this is boring let's go like we didn't want to do that we wanted to keep everything flowing and so that year uh, Jeff actually had the idea too. Like, what if we had two stages? Jeff, Jeff, who? Jeff Opt. Okay. Yeah. The uh, I think he likes to be called the the visionary of Yellow Cab. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's uh, so he had that idea, and then well, if we're having ideas, you know, I know a ton of musicians, and I know a ton of you know from participating in open mics and from running open mics and stuff, people who don't get the attention because they don't have a drummer and they don't have like a giant back. You know, it's people who've been playing for two years. 
you know, and just getting started and super talented. And I don't want them to be ground up under the wheels of the, you know, the music scene and all the, you know, uh, all the craziness that goes along with it, you know? So like, what if we had this open stage? Well, so we, we found a, uh, like a little riser and kind of set it up and like, I don't know. And, and Jeff kind of gave me full reign. I was actually the volunteer coordinator for that year. So yeah. I wasn't even supposed to be doing music, but like, Oh, well, I can take on this extra stuff. And like, you know, and like I had to figure out a way to run the PA myself and we had to scrounge a PA up. We didn't even have like a proper PA that year. And that year we actually uh, asked uh, Vincent holiday to kind of watch a stage with some of the comedians. Okay. Yeah. We didn't so, have uh, enough musicians to keep it yeah. going at the time. So, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's funny cause there are moments that they would just be kind of like, okay. And then they'd just be kind of joking around with each other sure. and people would be walking through and it was, it was really interesting and fun and, and God bless Vincent and holiday for doing yeah, that for us because yeah. i mean he was there for like hours yeah and, and he did a great sure job it, oh yeah and that's why he keeps going back so yeah. he's a one of our go-tos whenever uh we have comedy needs we yeah. always know that we can count on uh he was one that did the uh we recently had a fundraiser at wiley's for sideshow and he I, we asked him to mc specifically because you know he uh he does his shit yeah, Sorry. he kn- he knows yeah, he knows yeah. what he's doing. Did you yeah, ask if it's okay? To I apologize. You, I no, you can. T- are you but. kidding me? This is the Jim City <laughs> podcast, and tell us from the hard drive. You can say whatever you want. All right, so you're allowed to talk like you're from okay. East Dayton now. Good. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, that was the first year we had we had tried that. So that was uh, a learning experience. But that led to the next year, Sideshow Nine. We actually. Um, it was amazing because then when we had applicants, we had a lot of what we consider, you know, indoor acoustic mm-hmm. acts um, apply. So yeah. we actually had like we were able to do it like a legitimate its own stage where we could have all music. Um, we did have like a half hour comedy and yeah. we were able to have the Gem City podcast, Gem City podcast. as part of that. Represent. Yeah. I, I, had- I, I. By the way, I think if I recall correctly, I cried on your show. Yeah, you, I you think you did. Up. You got teared up. You did. Devil. Yeah. I, when, when, whenever I'm in front of a live group of people, like I get emotional when I'm talking about something I'm passionate about. Right. That Sideshow 8, we had a great time. We were walking out the door. Tino was there oh, with yeah. his, his girlfriend, Shelby. Yeah. They're both great people. And I was like, man, I really loved what you were doing up there because I love hip hop, but I had fallen away from hip hop. And to find out, here's this dude up on stage rocking it. Oh, yeah. And he's so positive and so passionate. I remember the first time I ever saw him, I got goosebumps. Yeah. Like, and I'm not into hip hop or anything. I don't mind. It just doesn't get, you know, whatever. Uh, But when I heard Tino, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's a real deal. And like, even now, like every time I hear him, there's a moment when I'm just like blown away. Yeah. Yeah. When I, so I told him, I congratulated him on a show, told him I liked his show and said, I'd like to you know, have you on the podcast. I'd like to play some of your music if possible. He handed me a CD and, uh, we walked, we walked out the door, uh, shook hands and we left and I put the CD in the car and started listening to it. And I was really impressed with the quality. And so Todd was one of the first people, first musicians. When I got reintroduced back into the community that I stumbled across great dude, positive dude and Tino as well positive dude and so it when i started doing working with the gym city podcast and come up with the idea of a live podcast i have seen live podcasts before so i knew it could work even though i had some doubts from people i was like if i just schedule it right i think Mm -hmm. it'll be it'll be good and so i think i think now i get so excited about sideshow because i've had i've had friends come up and they walk in and they're like this is not what I thought it would be like. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say like it's an it's a uh, 
it's a two-day event. It's a two-day art event. People have these preconceived notions of what an art event is. Yeah. So, like, they go either to, like, the super stuffy, you know, like, pe- black tie affair where people are standing around and just gazing deeply into these giant oil paintings. And, like, it's very quiet and somber. There may be, like, a cello in the background yep. somewhere. <laughs> like, they have that preconceived notion. Or they have the, oh, we're crazy anarchists. Yeah. And, like, Sideshow is neither one of those things. But somewhere in between. It's, somewhere in between. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. lots of lots of energy. You never know what you're going to find. You never know what you're going to see because we have different artists every year. Well, and then and it's, the cool thing is it's artists at different levels. Yes. So it's not yes. necessarily because like uh, like for example, I know Ron Rollins. Uh, he's been doing it for years. Um, Heather Leah Reed. I think she said she's done it for like nine, ten years now. So we have artists that have been doing it for a while. And then we have like um, I talked to someone yes uh, yesterday. I saw them, and it was an artist that said he'd been coming to sideshow. And this was the first year he was actually showing. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not certain if he had shown it other places, but but you definitely run into people like where this is the first time they've shown their work or they haven't been showing for very long. Um, so that's the kind of cool thing is there's a whole bunch of different – and it's completely different. I mean the art is you never know what you're going to see from one part of the wall to the next. So I had – and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. No, you're good. I, I had a <laughs> leak in my roof. Okay. And like it was awful. Like if you've ever had a leaky roof, it's terrible. It's horrible. And you don't want to deal with it. And that means like it's just going to get worse. Like leaky roofs and dental problems, like you ignore them and they just get worse. But you still – everyone still does it, yep. including me. So I finally got the actual outside of the roof fixed last year. Okay. And this year where the, where the ceiling, the drywall on the ceiling had gotten wet – it had started caving in. It started falling. It started falling apart. And it was a problem. Mm-hmm. So like, all right, well, we're going to have to fix this. So, you know, I'm like, well, it's time to start gathering up tools and stuff. And like, oh, I've, I've done drywall on the walls before. How hard could it be? You just do it above your head, right? <laughs> so we had a, someone had given us a gift card to uh, one of the big box one of the big box home repair stores. Mm-hmm. And we just on a whim decided to go to, to a uh, – to a local big box store. And, and actually it was in Huber Heights. We never go to Huber Heights, but mm-hmm. like, well, we're sort of kind of in this area. Let's go, uh, let's go ahead and buy some material, buy some drywall and some tape and stuff like that. Right. So we get up there and we're like shopping and we're like in go mode. I've got my ball cap on, you know, pull down on my, you know, like it's, I'm not, I'm not Todd the Foxing it up tonight. We're here for drywall. Yeah. You know, and we're here for drywall because that's what the weekend's going to look like. And I'm focused and stuff. And I ran into a, uh, ran into a friend of ours, Mike, who like, hey, Todd the Fox. I'm like, oh, hey, man. And like we started talking. He works there. And and somehow in talking, the word sideshow got brought up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I need, to, I need to introduce you to someone. So he took us over to the cashier. So the cashier is ringing us up. And this guy, he's you know talking and we're talking and stuff like that. And I, you know. I think you had uh, Victoria had a uh, sideshow, sideshow card. We had cards made cards. this year yeah. with our website That's on awesome. it. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, DaytonSideshow.org. DaytonSideshow.org. Uh, so um, hand him the card and started talking to him. And he's like, "Okay." And like a day or two later, he put no. In the the app next like, day, he's an artist, and what? we were like, "You need yeah. to, you need to apply, you need to apply." The next day, he had applied, and That's I awesome. was like, so That's... "Just from taking a shopping trip to yeah. the store yeah. and talking to people, and like, so here's a kid who like." And I say kid, I mean, he's probably in his 20s somewhere, but like, here's somebody who has never shown at any of the previous sideshows. He's never, he's I, never, I don't think he's been there. Yeah. Has so. he even shown art anywhere? Because a, so. a lot of yeah. artists, that, that's the thing about the art that you see there, which uh, we'll talk about that here in a second, but you, you go there and you see all different types of art. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, there's some art where, you know, you can glimpse at it and it's like, something in the background but if you really start looking and mm-hmm. paying attention 
there's some stuff that people do that's not conventional. Mm -hmm. And I think when art isn't conventional, sometimes it can be great. And Mm -hmm. uh, I saw a story last year that was pretty tragic that somebody had made through their art. Right. And um, was that was that the piece where it was like panels that have been like it was decoupaged like words and pictures and stuff. Yes. Yeah, and then was, like then you would open the panel. I believe it and was if like, I can say I believe it was Abby um, Browning. I think is her name. I think she was the artist. Okay. If I'm correct, I believe that's her. Yeah, and I apologize for not knowing it. No, but it's fun. It it's, had an impact know, on yeah. me. And well, you you're, well, you're expected to know how uh, of like <laughs> 50, the 50 or 60 artists. Well, every you know year, what's interesting. You're expected to know each and every one of their bios um, and who they are. What's funny is uh, my friend uh, Stephanie Dever. She um I knew that she was artistic. Like she had talked about taking photographs, and we've done the um her and my other friend Stephanie Link have a craft booth that they do sometimes at the Yellow Cab. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, she was showing, and I was excited because I've never, never really seen her like personal work, and I was blown away. Like she did, um, like different Barbie figures, and it sounds yeah. like you know, but if you saw it, yeah, it was very, very deep. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, this came from my friend, and yeah. so it was like I had a whole new level of understanding. Knowing her personally, I understood what the work was about, but I was like, oh my goodness, you it was know, like, um, uh, photography of of Barbies going through various stages of life and, and some of them were super positive. Some of them were super tragic. Yeah. But yeah. like, and they were where they go like into the, controversial. Like they were somewhere. If you looked at it, it you were at first kind of <clears> like, Oh, like this is a little disturbing. Yeah. But then, but then it made you think, and it really was like, it was very powerful. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm actually showing art this year. I'm incredibly nervous yes, because I don't uh, consider clean. myself an artist, but it's one of those things where um, it basically, um, I paint here and there, like mostly like, cartoony things um like for christmas and stuff like uh last year my nephew loves um he loves monty python okay so in the holy grail the monster with all the eyes in the cave yeah i painted that for him so um i'm good at really cartoony simple things i'm not good at realistic um so recently we redid our bathroom so i thought instead of spending money on something someone else did well why don't i just paint something i'm I'm decent like i can make a tree look like a tree so um so i had already painted it and Todd was like, well, why don't you just enter it? I'm like, well, it's just, I don't she's know. It's not exciting. She, it's not of course like, she is. Yeah, her, you know, uh, but her artwork, like she said, she is predisposed to like the cartoony, fun, thin-year-old boy kind of stuff. <laughs> but like when she has a, she's very talented. Sure. I'm good at painting yeah. suitcases. Uh, <laughs> I see that. You should have you seen uh, the, uh, we should before you leave, we'll show you. Okay. You will get a private sneak peek of Queen V's art. Okay. Um, yeah. And then plus, it's also one of those things where I'm also about, I don't want to stay in my comfort zone. Yeah. So like for a while, I actually tried uh, improv, which okay. one of the uh, one of the groups here, Lofty Aspirations. They're great, Karen, by the way. Uh, I took, <clears throat> Karen does improv classes and I took one for a while and it was terrifying, but it was exhilarating. Um, but so I'm about trying to push my comfort zone. So, you know, I thought about it and I thought, well, I've already got it done, you know, and maybe I'll throw in another piece or two and... I'll just do it, you know, and I think Slideshow is a perfect place for that. Yep. So because even if some people hate it for whatever reason or if they're like, well, I could do that. Yeah. You know, there are going to be people there who are like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, and so and then plus uh, I decided to do a few other type, type of art projects that I've never done before. I'm not going to disclose what they are. But uh, but so it's kind of exciting because I'm doing something I've never done. Right. And it's kind of exciting to know that people are going to see it. And yeah. like I said, even if they hate it, at least I've tried something and maybe people will think it's really cool. And, yeah. you know, so uh, now now people. People, uh, because people have questions, uh, for one, what's the address of the place? 700 East 4th Street. Okay. That's in downtown Dayton, Ohio. Yes. 700 East 4th Street. That address can be found at daytonsideshow.org. Yes. Um, I know it's near like Dublin Pub, 
um, it's like basically, I can't. Think <laughs> we did of, a big. Uh, yeah, we actually have a video. A video we'll have to repost it. Last year yeah, where, uh, it's it's. There's a weird plot <laughs> yeah, to it, but it. but there's basically it gives a little bit of the history of sideshow and it gives maps actually superimposed on the screen in my floating head. And going along like the map. Showing, yeah, going along the map to show you how to get there. So if you're starting from the Oregon District, head towards like the Dublin Pub. Once you get to the pub, turn left down. I think it's Walnut, Walnut Street. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's right there. And you're there. Yeah, and you're there. <laughs> and and when, when, when I walked down that street and I st- – like I heard the music. But when you walk in and you see all this uh, eclectic art, mm. um, for one, how much does it cost? Well, uh, uh, I think uh, Tino's joke was it's free ninety nine. It's free ninety nine. Like it costs absolutely zero. This is, it is free. Sideshow is, it's the whole spirit of the thing is the community coming to, coming together to create this powerful machine, this living machine for two days, and we do it out of the love of the game, so to speak. So we don't charge at the door. We do accept donations because I'm. Even though we don't charge, the people we rent the tent from, they charge. Yeah. Even the sound though, people. Even though we don't charge, the sound people that we hire to come in there and, and have hundreds of watts to pump that music out all over the place, they charge. Even though we don't charge, it costs money to build the stage. We're actually going to build a brand new stage out in the back of the parking lot. I believe it should a, be built by the time this hits the uh, hits the old uh, interwebs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll be back up and running on so, that. So it's yeah. – so where it was before, it's not going to be there anymore? We're going to make it bigger and push it out. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's going to yeah. be uh, – last year it was – I think even the past couple of years has kind of been um, – Right next to right the Right next to the building. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to put it in the back lot, yeah. like in the back corner. So yeah. that way there's more room. We're hoping to have – we have well, some well, – We've got all that room. What are we going to – We're going to have some food trucks. Uh, right now we have two per day committed. We're trying to get four per day. Um, we have Flower Power, I think, in uh, the – Wicked Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just opened. They actually had their opening at Yellow Cab. Um, so we'll have food trucks. Um, we'll have a beer truck this year. So we'll have beer truck outside. And then we also still have that indoor bar um, where they'll be selling beer. Um, and then – And it's um, craft beers. Yes. Right. It's all local it's local brews. craft beers. Yeah. Local so craft, it's all yes. local craft beers. And they're all amazing. Yeah. So it's uh, – that's exciting. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I know Kids Sideshow will have its own room, but they're also going to have a tent outside. I know okay. they're going to have uh, face painting and things like that. Word on the street is they're actually going to have a parade as well. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. I'm, yeah. uh, that's that's one of those things that could be fantastic or a disaster. Yeah. But that line right there is what Sideshow is. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah so so there, the one thing I noticed was there wasn't any uh, like how much art was on the walls. Mm-hmm. It was just displayed. It wasn't actually for sale there. That's another thing. We uh because this is an art show, it was the decision was made in Sideshow One to like don't put price tags on your your art. Now if you see something that you can't live without, if you hear a band that just breaks you in half and you you got to know more, grab them, pull them aside. I'm sure you guys can work a deal on May 9th. Yes. Or May tenth, May eighth, <laughs> and ninth. Though that stuff is for display only, so yes. we don't. Well, put that's, price that's tags the art. Stuff. Yeah, for the art, they they can sell it, but they can't be taken off the wall and after sideshow. Right. Um, I'm sure if a band wants to sell a CD, if they take you aside and you sell right. them a CD, that's fine. Yes. But we we don't. They don't really want to have boots and stuff. Booths, where, yeah. You know, you don't want it to look like Walmart. About, yeah, sideshow is not about commerce. Sideshow is not about. It's not about looking like Walmart. It's, yeah. It's it's about showing off the Dayton community in these two days, and it's like a fragile thing that only exists for these two days. And then it goes back out into the, and that, that gets reflected back out into hopefully into the greater Dayton area 
Yeah, and, and I think it does. I think the spirit of it, uh, the spirit of it does. But like you talked about the music with uh, being in the room where it's acoustic mm-hmm. and there is a vibe in there that if you want to just go in and chill, take a beer in there, just chill and have ha- just listen to music. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we specifically, that room, we specifically handpick people who we feel by their demos mm-hmm. are lyrically driven and people who are, you know, they should not get lost in the big giant craziness of the outside stage where it's loud and there's there's generators humming and there's all, all kinds of people talking and partying and stuff. The the acoustic stage, that's where we try to set it up to where it's a whole other environment where it's a singer-songwriter stage, I believe is what we've called it in the past. Mm-hmm. It's the indoor stages and I say acoustic, even though it's not purely acoustic. We've uh, actually um, this year we're going to yeah. have uh, some electronic artists in there. Yeah, nice. so we actually have a um, like thing. Mount Analog and Tangled Branches. Okay. So that's a little different. We decided since they applied, we're like, you know, what, why don't we do it? You know, it won't hurt to like liven it up a little bit and try something a little different, and see how it goes. So. Yeah, we we have some uh, other other kind of experimental stuff with uh, acoustic instruments versus electric instruments in that room, but the. It's a listening room is really the the entire push for that. So like if you go in there, if you're playing in there, the expectation is you are playing to people who are listening. And mm-hmm. if you go in there, like like it's important not to talk over those people. Yep. You, if you want to talk and party, we got a whole parking yeah. lot for that. We got yeah. a whole art gallery for that. Mm-hmm. But like for the listening room, that's what that's for. And, but and because of that, it sets up a really cool chill vibe. Yeah. It does. And like when when you say listening room, people are like, "Oh, so it's somber and stuff." No, we're going to have improv comedians there. We're yeah. going to have stand up comedians there. We're going to have all kinds of stuff there. So some of it's funny, some of it's some of it's serious, some of it's wacky, some of it's experimental, some of it's just good old fashioned hand clapping, foot stomping music. But it's there to listen to specifically to. It's stuff that's that needs to be listened to actively yeah. rather than be forced at you passively. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And there, uh, a couple of the artists just right off the top, I don't have anything in front of me. They, a couple of the artists that are actually playing in there, uh, that I would highly recommend you guys go check out. And I think through the magic of editing, you're going to hear probably 30 seconds or so of, oh. of tracks from some of these oh, artists. Nice. Um, um, so on the indoor stage for Friday, I just want to tell you guys a couple of people that have been on the Gym City podcast that I've actually went and recorded with, and these are great people. Uh, I would tell you to go check out Moroni Lane at 7.15 to 7.50. Hello, this is Moroni Lane, and you're listening to the Gym City podcast. Uh, Kevin Milner from 825 to 9 o'clock on Friday in the indoor stage. Kevin Milner's CD is one of the one of the best like folk uh, CDs that I've heard. His lyrics are incredibly haunting. This is Kevin Milner, and you're listening to the Gem City Podcast. I exist in the places between lines and spaces where shadows Fall to darken the faces where nothing is real, nothing is fake. 
Kelly's Tenderloin, uh, their group from Richmond, Indiana, and um, great dudes. They've been on the podcast. I come from the water. I stepped upon his shore. I left my brother there. I got what I came for. I sucked that water down and rolled up on the sand and burned beneath the sun. So hard to be man. I come from the water. 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 So come out and check those guys out. But on the and we'll talk about Saturday here in a second, but on on the outdoor stage, which like you said, there's a rotating like when a band is off, next band starts right. pretty much right away. And so I think I think the experience I experienced from that, from being out under that tent, especially when certain groups are playing as the night goes on, alcohol might be kicking in a little bit. Mm-hmm. There is this vibe that happens yeah. where it becomes a party. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the whole thing. You know, my job is the music coordinator. So I've been music coordinator for Sideshow 9 and 10. Uh, my official spokesperson is V, who, in all truth, uh, she is uh, possibly OCD and loves to make lists. Yeah. And so she's, I love lists, by the yeah, way. She's, uh, she's invaluable in, in this project. We take all these submissions starting in January to March and we go through them one by one by one and say, oh, these people are representing themselves this way, in this fashion. So these are their MP3s. These are their YouTube videos. This is their press release. This is what they look like. This is what they sound like. Based on that information, we actually create an ebb and a flow of the the stages. So like you're talking about, the, the outdoor stage, we start and it's quote unquote more mainline centralist kind of like – I don't want to say middle of the road because that makes it seem like it's bland. It's not. It's, uh, for lack of a better term, more like accessible. Yep. Yeah. Stuff that's easy to get into, you know, and it's really good and, and really it'll hook you, stuff like that. And then as the night goes, we'll start getting into more party bands. So, yeah. like, you know, it'll be a little, little more like fun drunken raucous like you know so generally craziness. after 10 we try to make it where the more quote-unquote wild or the yeah. more you know and that way because usually kids are gone by They're then gone by so then, we can yeah. you know be a little rowdier and that, you know. we also take into consideration some of the bands actually have really interesting stage shows so yes. some like bands like dip spit yes or curse of cassandra yeah. like bands like that have like interesting stage personas and, and light shows that yeah. go along with them so obviously you don't want a light show at at you know six thirty in the afternoon, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny as you were describing that you are creating a live mixtape. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely yeah. true. <laughs> so, so on Friday night, uh, uh, some of the some of the artists that you guys should check out on Friday night that are, are great artists. Uh, one Tim Gabbard, um, who can you, do you know much about the documentary The Fall League that they're doing? <laughs> I was the narrator for the Fall League. <laughs> so, so, so d- yeah. Let's let's sidetrack real quick okay. and talk about the Fall League because uh, it's actually they're in Toronto for mm-hmm. the Toronto Film Festival. Right. Yeah. Yep. And Tim, 
is going to be there. You guys can go talk to him. He's going to be there from six to six forty to kick off the the outdoor show. Um, talk about his documentary a little bit. So uh, Tim Gabbard is uh, he's a local Gabbard, that's yeah, how you say it. local singer songwriter uh, musician uh, who I know from uh, running open mics. He uh, came up and uh, introduced himself, and we got to be friends over the course of of the years that we've known each other. And uh, you know, I've worked with him musically. I've I've recorded on a couple of his albums, and you know, just stuff like that. He also uh, coaches uh, slow pitch senior softball. So, and you know, there's a giant community. Yeah, of, that's a big community of slow pitch senior softball. You know, because that age group grew up with softball, whereas our age group, we grew up with the Xbox and the PS3 and and the Wii and stuff like that. They didn't have that stuff. Their Wii moat was actually a softball bat. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like it's. There are softball players in our age group, but not like the softball players of that age group. Yeah. It's a whole other experience. So he coaches one of those teams. Uh, he had the idea it would be interesting to kind of document some of these some of these uh, guys and gals' lives. So like you know, the guys and their wives, or you know, they actually there was there's some controversy in the movie where they integrate a little bit. They talk about integrating female players into what traditionally was an all male. You know, an all male league. <clears throat> it's, it's it's you have to see the movie, but you know, and we we follow these people and we get to know them in the movie. They uh, some of them are vets, so we get to like learn a little bit about their history. You know, living in Dayton and kind of uh, softball as therapy, and yeah, and then so when we start talking about softball as therapy with uh, you know veterans from World War II or the Korean conflict or Vietnam, then it leads us to start talking to people from the VA hospital here in Dayton to, you know, how softball for soldiers coming home right now, how that's being used to treat PTSD. And actually even to the point where like people have lost limbs and they have like prosthetic limbs and how that allows them, that technology allows them to continue playing softball and continue, continue on down this path. So once you get into the technological standpoint, well, let's talk about the, the core thing that you think of when you think of softball, the bat. So we actually got access to talk to some people from Louisville Slugger. Oh, that's awesome. They yeah. actually have their own senior soft pitch like softball line, like for bats. Yeah, <laughs> like, and they, yeah they, they've yeah. got bats specifically tailored to people, you know, to age groups and musculature groups that like they know all that stuff. So they, we talked to them for a little bit and, you know, it's it's a, it's a an interesting look into a world. Well, like any documentary is supposed to be an interesting look into a world that you didn't realize was interesting. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what this is. It's you, because when you say on the surface, it's senior slow pitch softball. Right. Like, yeah. Really? Is that what, we're, but it's actually, it'll keep your attention. It's, it's really engaging. And you know, it's, you pick up history of Dayton, history of the game. So if you're a fan of Dayton, if you're a fan of, 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 ball yeah. playing ball if you're a fan of technology if you're a fan of the you know the vets if you're you know believe in you know everyone always says i'm honestly them. not really a fan of any of those things but, but you're I thought a fan it was of documentaries right yeah well yeah it's yeah, yeah. yeah and i i honestly went to see it because you know i know tim i know uh right. jen jen taylor jen yeah. clark uh she also helped with it and of course i know the narrator yeah so i was like well of course i'll go support it and i was i really was surprised at how engaging it was considering you know, I'm not necessarily interested in any kind of sports and, yeah. you know, but it was, it was interesting. Yeah, so if you're a fan of any of those things, including being a fan of old people, then uh, <laughs> you will love this. And the, and if you're not a fan of it, if I uh, let, let me tell you that it doesn't ever get boring. It's the right length. It, like you go, you watch it, you never lose interest. You never get bored. And, and actually at the end of it, you're like, oh, I could have stood another 20 minutes of that. And, but like, it's 
but it's you know it's fine. It's How fine. many hours did you put in uh, behind the scenes? Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> I did. I should have. I should have started a clock. I was uh, asked to be on board. Uh, I was one of the early people asked to be on board. So I actually was interviewing people on the ball field. Uh, back in its early stages, uh, I guess like 2013, 2014, wow. something like that. Yeah, it was, Whenever it was we a little start, while, yeah, so you could was, actually go to some of the games. And so it was, it was over a, quite a long period of time. Yeah. Um, awesome. And then, uh, and then you know, um, then it got to be more they need uh, Jen and Tim and the other sound guy. Uh, sorry, I'm terrible with names and stuff. Dean. But they, Dean, yeah, they ended up having to do things, you know, and start editing and stuff. So it was kind of like he was out of loop for a little while so they could do their thing. And then they were ready for him to do the sound. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, so uh, then, fast forward uh, to right before the release, they uh, contacted me about recording uh, the hit single from it. That's the way we play the game, and we actually recorded a music video for that and everything. And there's a soundtrack that was released, and uh, there's uh, I've, I've, there's some of my guitar playing on the soundtrack, and and the uh, my vocals are in there somewhere too. <laughs> I got to play drums at the uh, preview party. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so. And then, you know, recorded the voiceover stuff. So, yeah. It's awesome, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very interesting. <laughs> Thefallleague.com, uh, I believe it is. I think so. Yeah. The Fall League. Well, if, if, I think he might even have a link at timgoodbard.com. Yeah. But I'm sure. And, say, and how, how, you spell, how you spell his name is T-I-M, obviously, and then uh, G-E-B-A-R-D. Um, so, yeah, go check it out. Um, but a couple other other artists that have been on the Gym City podcast, uh, Cherry Lee and the Hot Rod Hounds. From ten to ten forty-five, and they're like they're up they bring a party. Oh yeah, they're 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 a lot of fun. This is Cherry Lee and the Hot Rod Hounds, and you're listening to the Gym City Podcast. Uh, the next group to follow them at 1045 to 1125. I've seen this group. Uh, pl- they haven't been on the Gym City podcast. A Shade of Red is awesome yes. live. Yes, and I hear it's all new material because they actually haven't played for a little while, I believe. Yeah. So I've heard it's all new material and uh, it's, it's going to be real good. Yeah, I saw uh, – I don't know the singer's name, but she – Georgia. Georgia, Georgia. She – I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. She reminded me of like a Kurt Cobain, like, mm. like that spirit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she reminded me of that. Obviously, <laughs> these guys who, when you talk about art, and you, they had a T-shirt. They they make their own T-shirts for their shows. They had a T-shirt display for their art last year. Yep. So, like, if you think about that, somebody makes homemade T-shirts and they it was an art yes. display. So, dip spit. Love dip spit. Amazing. Chinese, Japanese, Turkish <laughs> dip spit. <laughs> so they play, and then. This band hasn't been on the podcast either, but Curse of Cassandra, uh, they were amazing last year. The light show and everything mm-hmm. was really cool. Yep. And so the next day, um, for the indoor stage, for Saturday, and Saturday, like Friday night, everybody's getting off work. Saturday starts early, guys. That's right. So you guys come on out around 4 o'clock. We're actually going to open the doors at 3. 3. But the rocking and or rolling will happen at 4. Okay. So, so you have time to get a beer and get something to eat. Yeah. And maybe visit Kids Side Show if you have kids. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, one of my favorite bands, Sam at 11, is playing the second stage at 730 to 805. They've been on the Gym City podcast. Love those guys. Uh, J- Jeff 
has been on the podcast, Jeff Rudolph. On, me, so. <laughs> hey, this is Sam at 11, and you're listening to the Gem City Podcast. <laughs> guys and then you got some improv which you do not want to miss i didn't really know what to expect when i saw improv and saw improv at the show that the benefit show you guys mm-hmm. did at wiley's it was amazing these guys were hilarious and then you're going to have some stand-up uh and uh vincent holiday is going to be there mm-hmm. and uh he's been on the podcast so go support that but on the on the outdoor stage this is this might be like when I saw the artist you guys had for this night. Oh my god, yes. I was like this yeah. is like the rock star oh, yeah. night, right? Yeah, we're excited about that. So you got some artists here who I haven't heard them and I haven't seen them, but I keep hearing the boxcar suite. Yeah, that's Tim Pritchard. Tim Pritchard's band. Yeah, they're yeah. they're I they're keep good. hearing great things about yeah. them. That that is accurate. Yeah. Yeah, they uh they took last year off, I believe. Um so we're excited to have them back again. Um Psych. Oh, and uh, they come on from seven fifty to eight thirty, and then our friends from Psychic Complex, Tino, uh, comes on. Tino and Paige and Chris, they're 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 there. You guys got to go check them out. They're on from nine fifteen to nine fifty five, and then probably I've heard God bless and Asher Jones is the best live band in Dayton, according to Dusty Pitstick, who plays in Deuteris. <laughs> I, I heard that podcast too. Yeah. I, I, I like them live, but for me, I think Night Beast might be the best live dating band because no matter where I've seen them, I walk away feeling great after I leave the show. <laughs> Night, yeah. Night Beast is like sushi. Like no matter what, mood, no matter what mood you go into it. You're going to be in a better mood after you leave. Right? It'll yeah, it'll pump you up. Sushi's I mean, that way. Night Richard Brown way. lost weight for that band, like what? because they they take off <laughs> they take off their shirt. Like they have the guys take off their shirts, right? Yeah. Well, um, he loved that band so much. They don't he have actually, the guys take off the shirts. That's well, just, I'm sorry, it, stuff it's gets, a thing. It gets it crazy. There's so much energy. People get hot. <laughs> they get sweaty. They get into it. But it's it's a thing. Like it's in Nike's show, the dudes will take their shirts off. Yeah. So Richard Brown was so excited about it. He actually, I think you have to ask him, but I think he lost like 30 pounds or yeah. something, so that way he could take his shirt off. And I think he might have even been in one of their videos. I don't know. Yeah, that, but uh, but so yeah, awesome. so it's. They inspired Richard Brown to lose weight. What band can really say that? Right. That's exciting. That's that's awesome. So you guys got to check them out. They're at 1015 to 11 o'clock. Uh, following them is probably, like, as far as podcast goes, when you're talking about a fun podcast, you're talking about a fun group of people and people who don't take things too seriously. Like, they are into a lot of cool, nerdy shit, mm-hmm. and they sing about it. Their videos are hilarious, mm-hmm. and they're just great people. Uh, Deuteris is playing from 11 to 11.30. Oh. Hello. 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 This is Deuteris, and you're listening to the Gem City Podcast. 
And then my friend Chad, who's been on many Gym City podcasts and many uh, Tales from the Hard Side. I love this dude. He's a tattooist from Vandalia. Uh, he's got his own shop. If you guys want to get some cool art, he does some cool art. But the Cricket Bows, I recently recorded a podcast with them that should be coming out around this time. And they're having a new album called Diamonds that is not out yet. But I'm telling you, it is, it's some next level stuff as far as like what's being put out there. It's extremely psychedelic. It's extremely rock and roll. Uh, um, they have a singer named Erica in the band mm-hmm. who they really, instead of being like a side singer, she's really embraced being a singer. Some of the songs on on uh, that I heard for the Gym City podcast when I was putting it together, I was like, wow, they've really produced something great. So the, the fact they do the porpoise song by yes. the monkeys and it sounds awesome. Oh my god, yeah, like I'm I'm like I'm totally on board. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, expecting big things from yeah, them. Yeah, I was so excited yeah. to see when they applied. And and Chad Chad informed me that they they did a show at the planetarium. Where they had a bunch of lights, a bunch of lasers. Mm-hmm. They're bringing this extremely psychedelic light show with smoke. And yeah, that's what I'm yeah, it's, expecting. It's things. next level stuff. And yeah. then we're Cricket Bows, and you're listening to the Gem City Podcast. I was out of the music scene by the time this band uh, played and was around. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not, I, I could be wrong. I'm very, uh, uh, I'm very, I don't know a whole lot about the date music scene. I'm still learning. Right. My latex brain. Aren't they a, a band that is kind of back together for this show or? How does that work? I'll, I'll tell you, they, I don't know if they've ever officially broken up. They've oh. been around forever though. I mean, like, 10 plus years. Okay. And uh, I've noticed in the last year or two, they've kind of eased up on playing. So okay. like, they were playing a lot of like, you know, Blind Bobs and, you know, um, back at the old uh, Canal Street and, you know, stuff like that. But they've really eased up on playing and they okay. haven't really been playing a lot. So this is, uh, this is going to be, this may, to my knowledge, this may be their first time playing this year. Well, it's interesting because Chris Korn is in Cricket Bows. <clears throat> yeah. And he's also in Miley Takes Brain. Yeah. And he's also an artist. So yeah. he also is displaying art. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. And it's awesome. interesting because Miley Takes Brain him is. Uh, this year. Yeah. Are you really? Because <laughs> he's. Uh, <laughs> He's uh the My Latex Brain is is I would I think it's it's basically completely unlike the other bands at Sideshow, sure. which is part of the reason we wanted to include them because it's it's very different and uh it's very interesting and they, I don't know. they possibly could bring down the house literally and figuratively. They're, <laughs> they're they're one of the uh most uh engaging yet yet um what aggressive maybe aggressive is not the right word. It's it's like it's 
They're very political. They're very opinionated. They're very like when it's sweet, it's nice. It's awesome. And when it's dissonant and like grinding and in your face, it is, it is like to the extreme. So that that's, they're going to be the ones who are going to bring down the house. Yeah, we figured that'd be, that'd be, that'd yeah. be good closer, it. but yeah, we're excited about that. Yeah. That's, I was uh, afraid to put them on earlier. Like I said, like the stage could blow up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want poor Dustin. And we figure it'll play, be fun uh, to see, you know, Cricket Bows and then Miley Takes Brain. We thought that would be, and then plus it's helpful because he's in both bands. Right. So we actually had like seven bands where two, someone was in more than one band. That's There's amazing. one person that's in three bands. So thankfully we can do, we do the, um, like the alternate stage and we didn't have to worry about, you know, them have to play at the same time, mm-hmm. but we also didn't want someone who'd have to, you know, jump from stage to stage to stage and, yeah. you know, so. What, what's the actual but, total this year? How we many? have, um, 46 <laughs> oh musicians. Yes. Yeah. So of, the of biggest 46 ever. different acts, that's the most musicians ever, ever, ever in sideshow history. Yeah. Which. Like, I wasn't sure how we were going to top last year, but we figured out a way to do yeah. it. So, so yeah, uh, we had- in order to keep that moving over two days, we have uh, the uh, the brilliant dual stage system, which while one stage is playing, the other stage is setting up. Mm-hmm. And there'll be, there'll be like a quick five minute break in between for like tweaking the sound. So like there's constantly entertainment going on. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's and the indoor stage, we run on a very, very tight schedule. So, I mean, you can just see there's actually a. Uh, more indoor stage people, I think, technically than mm-hmm. outdoor stage people, but it's just due to the fact that they're not setting up drum kits and stuff. Right. So they're able to move a little, little quicker so we can actually, you know, squeeze people in and out. You know, we want is we want to showcase as much talent and as much everything as possible. Yeah. So there's there uh there used to be there used to be this problem in Dayton that like the metal guys all hang out with the metal guys yeah. and like the country guys all hang out with the country guys. And then there's like a whole hip hop and funk scene that, yeah. that's, that's happening over on this side of town. And there's, there's the hippy dippy jam bands who are over here on hey, you know, this little suburb and stuff like that. And you know, they'll have the kind of their core venue that they kind of all float around and stuff like that. That's our plan for sideshow as since I've been music, since I've been the music coordinator for the last couple of years, my plan has been to, we're going to break all that nonsense out. So we, want everything. we bring everything yeah. to the table. Because that's so the whole point. There's sideshow is, is to showcase the community. And the community right. is not just one group of people. The community is all these different groups There's of people. There's accordion-driven singer and songwriter stuff happening that weekend. There's a couple different styles of hip-hop happening. There's uh, actually some dubstep artists that are going to be happening. There's several jam bands happening. There's uh, some... You know, good old fashioned rock and roll like Cherry Lee and Trey Stone's band. You know, like those. You know, those guys are like the. You know, you know they're they're the kind of bands that I I'm into. You know, yeah. like the good old you know good old fashioned you know rock and roll rockabilly bluesy, you know fun stuff like that. And right. then there's you know more experimental bands. There's uh some what I would even call like horn driven like pop bands like Jamiroquai kind of stuff. That yeah. We actually have some some of that talent is we've actually found some people to bring them. And yeah, so it's, there's everything. So no matter what kind of music you're into, I guarantee we've got it. And I guarantee if you come see the show, you'll be into a new kind of music when you leave. That was, um, as somebody who grew up in the Dayton area, uh, in the nineties, when late eighties and nineties, when I started becoming a teenager and going to shows. And then when I became an adult and I went to shows and guided by voices was blowing up at that time it right. was the uh, early 90s spin magazine was covering dayton uh the the breeders headlined a show with guided by voices at hair arena and i remember how uh divisive a lot of 
music scenes were then. Mm -hmm. Punk kids weren't hanging out with certain kids over here. And you're right. Like, that bled into, uh, like, certain bands not playing at certain venues. Right, yeah. The thing that excited me when I went to Sideshow 8, and that is even more exciting when I see this, and I see the diversity in music, and I've heard the diversity in music. Like, when I first saw your music, I can't say that I was necessarily into that kind of music at that time. Right. But because I liked you, and because I appreciated the energy you were putting out, like it opened me up to more like uh, more rockabilly stuff. Right. More like old school rock and roll stuff. Right. It, like I was like, oh, okay. Like back in the day, you had to worry about, I can't like this because I'm with this clique of people right, yeah. that yeah. will judge me for liking this over here. And you realize as you get older, that's dumb. Yeah. That's a horrible, yeah. horrible philosophy to have. Yeah. And the more open you are to music, you realize you can get so many different styles mm-hmm. in. And, and it becomes this beautiful thing because you're taking pieces from this right. and pieces from this. And then now you're seeing kids who aren't listening to the radio. They're not watching MTV. They're on the Internet. And they're finding out about bands, whether going to shows, whether by friends, through SoundCloud, by going, hey, I like this band. You should check this out. And, you know, everybody is kind of hard to get. Like, if if you're not into something, it's kind of hard to go, hey, check this out and have you check it out. Because a lot of people, they want to discover it on their own. Mm. Um, but I find that if if you if you put that out there, and you, then you discover, like, there's this. There's this like working class group of musicians in this area. And Chad talked about it a little bit on the podcast that we did. There's this blue collar thing about the Dayton area that um, you can feel the passion and the soul in mm. what a lot of people are doing. They're not like, even though they might be joking around somewhat on stage, there's a passion yeah. there that isn't um, that we're, like this is Dayton, but I'm, we're taking it seriously. Yeah. Well, you'll you'll look at. I mean, you know, when you see the graphic of the 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 list of bands that we've got, you'll ask yourself, what does Ridge Higgins have to do with Evil Eye Gypsy? What does Blackbirds have to do with A sides, B sides? What what does you know Kylie Downs? Why did you put her on a show that's going to have you know Mission Man? Yeah. Like that's like night and day, right? Yeah. But the criteria is kind of what you're talking about. Like our criteria has been. Do you, you take, take do you take your art seriously? Yeah. And so if you take your art seriously, we will take it seriously as well. You may play a style of music that I'm not immediately drawn to or that I'm not into. Hell, it may be something that I hate. Yeah. But the thing is, if you're serious, if you're sincere, if you are going to do your art right, then you deserve to be showcased. We have yeah. a stage for you. Yeah. That's that's sideshow. That's you know, you take you take your creative ideas, take them seriously make you know give us something to believe in and we'll provide a stage for you we'll, well figure out a way to pay for and it and i know I, I that know um, we'll figure it out <laughs> that um like for example mike emmons who's the assistant music coordinator this year um i know he's excited because through sideshow he met a shade of red and yeah. i believe chris is cassandra and so now like his band plays a lot with with those bands nice. and so he's constantly like sideshow had me meet people that I might not have met before. Yeah, right. And, you know, because I know, like, McGuffin, the Dumpster Fires. I know, I think Evil Eye Gypsy plays with them a lot, too. And um, so I, just You know, really... I had known McGuff because I happened to be fortunate to run sound for them. Mm-hmm. But we invited them to 
to uh, Sideshow, and I think they uh, when they played last year. Did, did you hear the legend of what happened last year? So <laughs> McGovern Tell and the story. Fires, yes. they're, they're rocking out on the sta- on the outdoor stage. The very first band of Sideshow First band nine. of Sideshow. And here we go. Sideshow 9, it's it's on. And, like, they're tearing it up, and they're they're on fire. They've, they, they came with, they came they with their right. eyes on the prize, right? Yeah. And their bass player just, he, Keith just, he falls down. Fall, I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, like, and everyone's like, what happened? What happened? Oh, my God. And they stopped for a second. And like his knee blew out, like he hurt his knee somehow, and like so his legs out, his legs out of commission. He's like, just give me a chair. And he goes, give me a chair, and played like an excruciating pain. Finished the Finish set. The set. Oh my god, that is a rock star right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was amazing. So, so no, no matter what, that's uh, you know, that's like I'm excited to see what's going to happen this year. Which one of them is going to get injured? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Um, wow. Well, and actually, I believe it's the drummer, if I remember correctly. He's also in Lofty Aspirations Improv. Mm-hmm. So I learned oh, that at right. the Wiley's yeah. thing. Like when mm-hmm. we had the Wiley's, you know, um, he came up to me and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm performing tonight. And I was like, oh, OK, that's cool. And he's like, I'm, I'm also a musician. I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing with McGuff. And I was like, oh, my God. So it's awesome. kind of cool that there's a lot of musicians that do comedy or musicians that do art. And so that's another yeah. exciting thing is to see who does what. Like, I would have no idea that, you know, they do both things. Yeah, I, I noticed that the uh, hole in the wall, uh, uh, Dusty and them are trying to bring comedy and stuff over there and you guys mm-hmm. you guys just did something uh there last night we yeah we did a fundraiser where, with uh, sidekick complex with sidekick i love complex. them i can't help I it yeah they uh <laughs> they were the only band that we had and because that that we got to dj and actually play some of the uh side recordings of sideshow bands mm-hmm. kind of get you familiar and then since they were playing sideshow someone asked you know hey can you guys play this and like oh yeah sure, sure. And, so like that mm-hmm. they were that was like the plan and then someone's like well, you guys are going to have comedians, right? And so we actually had some comedy on stage. Yeah, it was interesting because yeah. we had Aaron Phillips scheduled, um, and he's also going to be in Sideshow this year. Um, he's also – he's been in Sideshow, involved in Sideshow in the comedy since we introduced it like two years ago. So uh, so he was there. And then plus the guy, uh, Nathan – I can't remember his last name. Check Wiley's Comedy Club. He's uh, headlining – this weekend he happened Portland. to be there mm, yeah, yeah he was there um so the owner a, the i'm sorry the manager community. at uh wiley's aaron evans he came up to me because i know him and you know uh, and he was like hey do you care if he does some time so we actually had like wiley's headliner <laughs> come up and just do an impromptu like 10 minutes and, really yeah so he did it and he had nothing to do with sideshow he just happened to be here and he did some time and so yeah so, so, and so we said this so we said the word sideshow about 487 <laughs> times so when he goes off into uh into the country Fact, yeah like, we did this weird gig in dayton <laughs> Yeah. Right, and they kept talking about something called sideshow, and then people will look up hashtag sideshow hashtag sideshow X, and they'll see what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, because I know uh, a lot of people will put pictures and stuff on uh, social media, and I know that as time goes on, we realize like it's important to archive a lot of this stuff. That's true because you forget, you know, somebody like me who was watching spin magazine cover Dayton when I was a teenager ended up covering the gym city working with the gym city podcast now covering a lot of these bands. So I think it's important to, um, to, to remember to archive stuff so that, you know, people, people have it. Is there a hashtag that people should put out there? Is there <clears throat> the one we're going with is hashtag sideshow X. Okay. So that's, that's the one that will de- denote this year's 
Sideshow. Yeah, I think it was hashtag actually... Sideshow 9 was last year, obviously. Yeah, I believe you actually didn't... Did you come <clears> up with the idea to do the hashtag and you were reminding everybody of the hashtag? So, I think probably, you actually... Yeah. And we were like, oh my God, why didn't we think of that before? That's amazing. Yeah, so now we have... And we've every... And Todd and I, back and forth, every single musician, we had at least one picture to do the hashtag. <laughs> really? So that way yeah, we would yeah, capture so, yeah. it. We really tried to remember so, so we would get uh, we it. So we realized this is Sideshow 10. Yeah. So we've done 10 of these shows. Yeah. Like, over, you know, over the last decade, we've done 10 of these things. And someone went, why don't you have a history of Sideshow? Yeah. What do you mean a history of sideshow? Like, well, you know, like a display to like, you know, some of the old flyers, some of the old handbills. Mm, well, you know, like uh, actually, you know, there's all kinds of video and pictures and all kinds of stuff out there. Well, Jeff Opt actually being the visionary, um, he I know there's Comfest in Columbus. They actually have a whole exhibit based on their history. Mm. So I know he was like, well, Comfest does it. So why don't we just kind of model it, the idea? After By the them? way, if, if we get the, ch- the opportunity, you need to come to Comfest. Oh, yeah. Me. OK. Yeah. 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 Like it'll blow your mind. OK. Yeah. It's like think of like sideshow. Like forty years in the future. All right, yeah. I'm yeah, down. They, yeah. They've got they've got a head start on us, but like they've yeah. got. I don't even want to yeah. ruin it for you. Like, um, just so wait. so we decided that we would try to have a history of sideshow exhibit this year and try to get because it seems like the past few years, you know, it's been more, it's been bigger. We have more things, but it seems like the first few years since it was new, there's uh-huh. not much to find. Uh, well, actually, Misty. Um, Sayer, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, she uh, she works for Boonshaft, and that's basically what she does. She does research and exhibits and stuff. Um, so I happened to mention it to her, and she is so excited. So she's actually procuring um, all of the information. She said she's been able to find all kinds of stuff. Um, we actually had a day where we had people come and bring memorabilia. So um, she's actually making a history of exhibit History of Sideshow exhibit this year. So That's she's awesome. got like a list of all the bands that have played, the artists, um, sh- examples of T-shirts, um, my um, obsessive compulsive binder for the sound guy last year. I gave that to her for it. Um, yeah, so there's every, all every, kinds of stuff. Every scrap of information that uh, these these bands send us, like their stage setups, you know, what, <laughs> you know, like how many DI boxes they need, yeah. you know, their pictures of their amps and stuff whether like that. They offer it, whether they volunteered or not. Yeah, like, yeah, like every track. every aspect, you know, like we expect our our artists to help keep, you know, we'll provide the the stage. We'll provide. Uh, last year was like six thousand people, I believe, in and out of the door. Wow! So we'll provide the crowd. All we ask in return is you, like, you know, spend a couple hours, like, you know helping out at the beer tent. That's probably how we can keep it hours. free too. Is that yeah. it's yeah. all volunteer run? And right. I wanted to I wanted to ask that because I know I know there's people out there that are like I I don't paint. I don't I don't do anything artistic. I don't play music. I really I don't really do anything. But I kind of want to be involved in this community thing and uh that is the the message like that I want to send as part of the Gym City podcast like I I didn't want to start anything on my own. I wanted to work as a collaborative effort. I wanted I realized community is the best way to have your community grow is mm-hmm. when you work together. When you have a bunch of bands that don't have much in common besides playing music, play together, you kind of all realize, oh, we're kind of all on this together. So if somebody's out there listening and they're like, "What is there anything I can do to help? I, I might not have any money. I'll donate a couple bucks. But is there my time or something? There, absolutely. We have a ton of volunteer opportunities. So everything uh, – we've actually been having volunteers come and help us uh, – the 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 entire show is taking place on what used to be the the old yellow taxi cab yeah. company. So uh, that was left vacant uh, a few years ago, and we had been given stewardship. And then ultimately, one of our one of our Dayton Circus art group people he ended up buying the building. 
So we actually own the property now, but we own a property that used to be an industrial facility for taxi cabs. So like there's always maintenance to be done. There's always cleaning to be done. So, you know, if you know how to push a broom, we've got, we've, we can use your help. If you know how to turn a wrench, we can definitely use your help. If you know how to swing a hammer, we can always use that kind of help. If you know how to bake cookies and bring for the people turning wrenches, swinging hammers, and mm. pushing brooms, we could probably use that kind of help, too. Well, we even need people like to uh, be at the door and greet people yeah. uh, and people to serve beer. Yeah. Um, you know, people so- to help musicians unload their amplifiers and cymbals out of their truck. And then carry it to the stage. So yeah, you don't have so that, to be a musician yeah. to help the musicians carry their equipment. Yeah, right. So that that's another thing. Um, and then like security, like walking around, making sure people aren't touching the paintings. And yeah, making you sure know, everything's real easy and laid right. back. You don't um, want somebody's ex-boyfriend coming in and, and grabbing a sculpture and throwing it yes. over a fence. Like, yeah. So it's, you know, just to keep the peace, you know, we and it's fun. We we do have them armed with water pistols. We're very serious about uh, arming our, <laughs> our security people with water pistols. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's fun. It's whimsical. It's And the good thing is, is pretty much whatever you're doing, you're being able to listen to music yeah. and see art, and yeah. so nothing. And nothing's really complicated or stressful. Um, we do have a list where people can sign up. Uh, we will post it on there's a Dayton Sideshow Facebook page. We also have the Sideshow X event page. So, and then we have the website DaytonSideshow.org. Um, so you can always check there for the volunteer list. And if there's something that what is it flips your cookie is what you say, yeah. <laughs> uh, then uh, then you can sign up for it. And they're in two hour shifts, so it's not like it takes up a lot of your time. And uh, we encourage each um, person to who's an artist or musician to give four hours of their time. So that's just two two hour shifts, and sure. that can be you know Friday, and then the day after where we have a cleaning party, the day after sideshow. You know, so we're pretty flexible yeah, about volunteer um, time. I, I will put this out. So this is hopefully going to drop before a sideshow. This is important. Yes. If you've just been kind of zoning out right now, it's important to pay attention to the words coming out of my face. <laughs> I need some sound engineers for the indoor stage. It is not a hard job. Typically, it's one to three channels that you have to keep an eye on. And it's just basically making sure it doesn't feed back. But if you have ever ran sound for a band and you're looking for a volunteer opportunity where you get to meet all kinds of groovy people in Dayton, please send me an email. Attention, Todd the Fox, Dayton Sideshow 2015 at gmail.com. That is Dayton Sideshow 2015 at gmail.com you can just let me know that you've ran sound and you're interested in running sound again but i need some sound people and i need some people who uh who are happy to uh happy to pitch in and help matter of fact remember the first time when you guys came to sideshow eight izzy and you got to got to hang out and chill out in the open mic room dude it was a blast you know, what ended up happening we uh well i and i in fact i was thinking about that as uh, as you were talking about that uh, the first year I, I signed up to serve, uh, to serve uh, alcohol. And my wife and Scott Epic, host of the On the Block podcast with me, uh, we both came and we served and we met a lot of cool people. Scott got to sing a song on stage yep. that, uh, <laughs> that I have recorded, but I promise I'm not going to put it out there on the internet. And uh, we, um, but my wife, like, we realized how much fun it was. And then the next year I brought a bunch of friends of mine that I've met through doing podcasts and I brought my, my kids and it just became this thing where I'm like, I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. And, uh, like I'm just glad to be a part of it and to play a part of it. Um, we'll wrap it up now, but let everybody know 
for one last time where they can find all the info? Well, probably the easy answer to that is DaytonSideshow.org. The email address, DaytonSideshow2015 at gmail.com, is on the website, DaytonSideshow.org. There's also a link to the Facebook page, Dayton Sideshow, uh, if you're a Facebooker. Um, I believe we also have an Insta- Instagram and Twitter feed. If you're not sure about any of this stuff, the easiest thing to do is go to ToddTheFox.com. That's T-O-D-D-TheFox.com. Shoot me an email, and I'll get you to where you need to go. Yeah. Or you guys can go check out Facebook. You can look up the Gym City Podcast on Facebook. We have all the info on there. Uh, go to GymCityPodcast.com. You can go to TheIzzyRock.com. You can follow me on social media at TheIzzyRock. I'll be tweeting some stuff about it, be putting some stuff on Facebook. And make sure you use the hashtag SideshowX. Um, and did you, did you have anything else? That's pretty much it. All right. Make sure you come to Sideshow. Sideshow, May 8th and 9th. May 8th and May 8th. May 8th and 9th, 2015, to timestamp this. So thank you guys for listening. Please go rate, review, and subscribe if you can. And I hope you enjoyed some of the music that was played in here. And uh, if you did, come out and support it. Come out and say, I wasn't sure that I was going to come out, but heard the Gym City podcast. Figured might as well. The Urban Nights is not going on this year. You guys... Don't have it's sad that it's not going on. Actually, we are actually uh, Urban Nights has been rolled into Sideshow. Sideshow officially, the DDP contacted a, us, and we're yeah. part of the it's, um, Dayton, the Downtown Dayton Partnership program that used to be Urban Nights. Sideshow is now part of that. It's called what? Art in the yeah. City, and there um, basically there are four hubs yeah. of events. Uh, it's uh, the K twelve building, okay, uh, Riverscape. And I knew I'd forget the third one. Do you remember what the third one, the other one is? Ah, That's amazing. Uh, yeah, so the only one I'm really I'm concerned sorry. about is Yellow There's Cab one other one. And then Sideshow. <laughs> so um, there's actually been some articles floating around uh, on the Dayton Sideshow page. We have a blurb about it. But yeah, so technically uh, the, D- the downtown Dayton par- partnership is, is promoting Sideshow as part of this event. That's amazing. So. All right. Well, yeah. so we actually, the city, it's taken us 10 of these, but the city has actually officially endorsed <laughs> us. <laughs> It's, we are legit now. But it's a perfect year for them Big to do time. it. So. Yeah, right? Yes. Hey, it, it, they say it takes comedians about 10 years before they really grasp their voice. Maybe there people realized after 10 years, they're not going away, guys. <laughs> maybe we should pay attention to them. Maybe they're should, not going away. Maybe we should pay attention to these people. I guarantee all of us on the on the planning committee have put in our 10,000 hours. Yes. I guarantee yes. that. Yes. Yeah, we've been working on Sideshow Acts since... Right after Sideshow 9, mm-hmm. and then like heavy, heavy. Since I think November since, is yeah, when we November, started yeah. trying We've to plan been like for this every, year. Every, yep. And, and just to, just to put this out there in the universe like a pebble on a, on a <laughs> pond and see where it goes, just like the Fall League, just like the idea to document that came up, man, if I put this out there in the universe, there's somebody who wants to help document Sideshow 11. That would be great. Maybe yeah, from, start, from yeah. start to finish, you could kind of come along for the ride, document it, and then put it together. Maybe Todd will narrate it, possibly. <laughs> that that's, could be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so just to put it out there, that'd be a great thing to do. Um, yeah, so. All right, guys. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Later, guys.
I couldn't add anything to that. That's We're playing Sideshow this year. First, The first time I've ever played Sideshow. Sideshow 10. Uh, Cricket Bows will be playing. I, I can't remember our time slot right now, but I believe we're playing Saturday night at 11 or 11.30. Uh, we will be playing on a nice dark stage outdoors. We will be bringing lights. We will be bringing our smoke cloud. Uh, we will be putting on the ultimate cricket bows show at that uh, event sideshow is something to support get out and support yellow cab um those people do great things and not for profit they do it out of their own pockets they're not looking for uh you know to fill their coffers they're looking to to get the community involved and make uh, a really cool uh venue for all types of creativity whether you're a uh, you knit uh, granny socks and you want to show at the craft show they have, or if you're uh, a hardcore performance artist that wants to 
you know, do whatever you do on their stage. They, they are open to all comers and all creative types uh, and anybody who wants to help. It's important to get in there and check that place out, support it, dump some money into it if you can. Uh, if you can't, uh, show up and help them sweep up the day before or the day after or whatever. And that is as big as monetary help to those people. So we're super excited to be a part of Sideshow finally and uh, to, to show our support for Yellow Cab. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gym City Podcast, featuring the band The Cricket Bows. For more information, go to gymcitypodcast.com. Follow Gym City Podcast on social media at Gym City Podcast. Follow me on social media at The Easy Rock. And go to theeasyrock.com for more information where you can find my podcast, Tales from the Hard Side, and On the Block with Scott Epic, both found on iTunes and Stitcher. We're Cricket Bows, and you're listening to the Gem City Podcast. I'm Chad Wells. I'm the singer and guitar player in the band. Uh, I'm Jim Ingram. I play drums in the band. I'm Erica Watson. I'm a co-singer and play the flute. And uh, also not here with us today, uh, Michael Bissig, lead guitar, and Christopher Korn, uh, bass. I almost want to call it more than bass, what he does, but it's bass. Uh, yeah, we're Cricket Bows. Uh, so the song that's playing over the intro uh, is a song called Charcoal, uh, and that was really one of the first Cricket Bows songs that formed uh, as a c- uh, collaborative effort. Uh, our We had a, another guitar player at the band for some time named James Roush, and he had a, a lick that he brought to the band, uh, and then the lyrics sort of took shape in a a really interesting way. We were in my tattoo studio uh, and uh, we had this music that we were kicking around and, and uh, uh, Erica sort of walked off and had a, 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 a little lyrical vision that she brought to me and then we expanded it out from there. Do you want to? Yeah, I, I usually just carry around a little notebook and keep all my daydreams and thoughts and I don't know, things that I invoke out of anything. I'm walking around and just journal it. And as we were just sitting there tooling around, I thought, nope, this is it. This is why I wrote this. And I brought it to the table, and it ended up invoking something much larger than, you know, a small thought. But Absolutely. I think the line that you had was, your vision of me is in your mind's eye. Yeah. And I had some, I had been, uh, I'm, I'm heavily into sort of uh, mysticism and the occult and stuff like that. So I had been really heavily getting into alchemy. Uh, but not not that I wanted to transmute uh, base metal into gold, but as a si- sort of psychological uh, thing. Uh, so I was really into the idea of transforming that coal into diamond image, and I sort of had this whole thing going on. And when she said that line to me, uh, the entire rest of the song just kind of shit out of my head, <laughs> for lack of a better word. It just felt uh, and then, so poetic. And then everybody really put their, their nuances and their stamps on it. I mean... Uh, I came up with a middle bit uh, of music that definitely wouldn't have been supported well had it not been for Jim's uh, approach to drumming. Uh, Chris Korn really glued everything together. Uh, Mike Bissig seems to have the most, uh, the least amount of uh, opinion about anything, uh, but he sort of steps in and, and just does the right thing. Uh, and he took what James had done and really just sort of... Uh, made it sort of fall out of pocket as easy as the lyrics and everything came together. So uh, that's charcoal. So the first track you're going to hear is kiss alive. (laughs) 
This is also a song that that uh, sort of uh, came to be during uh, the the full formation of the band. The band had initially been an idea. It was just a, a solo recording project of mine. Uh, it morphed into a real live band. Uh, and there are some songs we still play that predated the band. Uh, but Kiss Alive is one of the songs that that came out of that uh, time. And it's it's my reflection on childhood. Uh, I had gone through a lot of depression and and terrible things, and uh, I kind of found that music was always the thing that pulled me through. So I went back to one classic album. If I had to pick one album that I could put on in the worst of experiences, and I couldn't walk away without a smile on my face, it'd be Kiss Alive. So that song uh, goes through cryptic references, but very detailed references to my childhood, specific things that I experienced, and... uh, uh, and how music, basically, and that 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 album uh, was able to pull me through it. 
Uh, yeah, I like that song an awful lot. For me, I, I'm much younger than everybody else in the band, and <laughs> no short of them pointing that out to me regularly. <laughs> and they, uh, when I hear that song, I don't relate to it per se for the music because I'm from a different time era, but the same kind of instances has happened to me, and I can feel that through the music. And I enjoy being a part of it through the process of for my own experiences, which I think is interesting because I thought when we all brought it to the table, it started to go off in a heavier place and I was like no man this is a child's song like even though it's full-on rock and heavy and deep and is all those angsty things but still a child's song and I love it for that yeah the structure of it uh, when it was presented to me it, we were still working out the structure it's a little uh it's it's not your typical your progression and I was trying to figure out a way that I could play it without overplaying it without underplaying it and i kind of came up with uh drum wise i just came up with uh what would it be like if i were to try to play like i want to play this but also maybe put some fill references to peter chris so i kind of since the since the the song you quite frankly mentions kiss right there that i figured well what what if i just did like a little bit of me and a little bit of peter chris on this and have some fun with it so that's that's kind of how i approach it as a drummer and it's it's one of my favorite songs that we play yeah, structurally, it's really bizarre. And I forget how weird that song is, uh, structure-wise. But you, you, Jim, have actually had other drummers come up and ask you how you can follow and count that <laughs> song. Uh, and I'm not even sure what I did. I, I have a weird mathematical way of looking at things. And I like to build things uh, sort of into pyramids and diamonds and weird shapes by... Uh, so so I, I do sort of a refrain, one, one, one line the first pass, the second pass, I do it twice. Uh, and then it multiplies again and does it four times the next time. And then it does it, I think, eight times from there. So it, it multiplies itself uh, sort of uh, by two every time it comes around. And it's, it's, it was really awkward for the band to sort of stand in a room the first couple times and try to pull that off. But it, it uh, like all things cricket bows, there are sort of magical breakthrough moments where all of a sudden that song that seemed uh, impassable uh, is suddenly just in the in the back pocket. So when recording it too, we had to do it without vocals just in the room together. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to cue off of of okay, this is where Chad says this or his voice does this <laughs> and I know we're about to do something else. But we didn't have that. So we tried to practice it without vocals a few times before going to the studio so we wouldn't waste a lot of time. But I think we got it in, in one or two takes, which that that had all the all the makings to be just a complete clusterfuck and it unfortunately it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> So the next song uh, is All the Way Down.
when Erica joined the group, um, we were immediately looking for a way to showcase her talent and, and make it be known that she wasn't um, just a backup singer. She wasn't uh, a woman that was just there to add woo-woos and shake a tambourine. And make us look uh, pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that helps. All of that is is icing on the cake, but uh, we really wanted to showcase her. So initially, we, we went through some covers, uh, one of which was a heart song. Um, and through, I think we tried a Fleetwood Mac song at one point in time. And through all of those songs, they all felt really good. They were fun to play live, um, but it still wasn't cricket bows. So I set about to specifically write a song for Erica to sing. Uh, and rather than write something where she would be um, showing off her super soulful, wailing, uh, you know, amazing vocal side, which Thank she you. can do. Uh, instead of doing that, I wanted to give her something to to sort of lyrically bed down on in the way that I do, because I think that Cricket Bows is about being really honest and open and exposing yourself and not just soloing wildly. It's, we're a psychedelic rock band, but we don't have a lot of the psychedelic rock trappings of just creating a mood. It's, it's really... Uh, an open soul sort of a situation. So I came up with a sort of a key that I felt was right for her. And I think it was even upon something that she had said about a key that worked well for her. And I, and I sort of started writing something that I wanted to do something that had a, had a feel of like early heart, early Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, like something that had that like, um, uh, sort of rolling countryside kind of feel, but it was still rock and roll. Uh, and so I came up with a riff and, and, and did a little demo where I basically babbled some sounds over top of the music. And then I threw it to her to, to create all of the rest of the lyrical content. The, the title all the way down I had, uh, and it represents a, a whole lot of different things. It can, it can be taken a lot of different ways. You can take a sexual innuendo from it. You can take uh, that I'm 100% committed to something from it. Uh, you can take all sorts of inferences from that. And uh, it's also I'm a, I'm I'm a fan of Charles Manson, <laughs> of of all weird things to say I guess uh, that upsets people sometimes. But uh, he is all about the environment. He has a group called Atwa, and it's air, trees, water, and animals. And one of their 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 things that they say is that we're all the way down to save the planet, which means whatever it takes to to do this. So I liked that slogan. I like that that thing. So uh, I gave that to her, and she ran off and and came back with something that I, I, I couldn't have come up with on my own, which was a far better thing. So, Yeah, I fully feel like that was a good team effort because when he presented me the lyrics, um, it, what it did was gave me visions. It, it set a mood for me to, to write in that space. So once I really saw where he was taking us, I just kind of followed in his footsteps and then made my own path. So uh, for me, it did have a lot of sexual innuendos. It was very pagan and archaic, very old and, and, uh, and suggestive for many different capacities. And, and whatever that means to you is what it's meant to mean. And that's what I was striving for was this is me trying to tell you make this what you want because it was my journey as well to ha make it what I wanted. And it was pretty cool. And uh, as far as singing it, he did. He nailed the key. It was easy for me to uh, really create some power there. And that, that was really what he was wanting me to do was feel this essence of, you know, quit turning the PA down on me because you assume I'm going to be the backup singer, you know, and that is frustrating for me all the time. So breaking and transcending from that, I was like, 
I have to command you to listen to me during this. And so I had to really sit and uh, try to pull it out of myself, which was out of a comfort zone for me, honestly. So when that song comes up, I still get jittery. <laughs> I'm going to be honest because I'm like, okay, go big or go home. And it's, you know, so to me, that's my, my brainchild love baby. I love that song. <laughs> there, there are a lot of songs, I think, on this album. I would like to think all of them are great headphone songs, if you all, but I think this is one in particular because it's, there's, in its simplicity, there's a lot of little things going on that you won't hear the first ten times. I, I still hear things, oh, someone's doing something different there. And I've heard this song probably a hundred times now, so this, this is in particular a, a good headphone song because there's little things going on in, in the forefront, in the background that you don't catch right away. All right, the next song is Porpoise Song, uh, which is a cover of a monkey's song written by Carol King.
Um, this song uh, was sort of an obvious choice for me uh, to do in a band that had psychedelic rock leanings, uh, more so than any Beatles song or any, uh, you know, Strawberry Alarm Clock or whatever 60s psychedelic act that you would think of. Uh, the Monkees were far more important to me. Well, I don't want to say that they were more important than the Beatles, but they were, they were far more important to me as a child than any of that stuff. Uh, and sort of the great thing is that the Monkees uh, were sort of almost like a Saturday morning cartoon. When I was born, the Monkees show had already been canceled. It was playing in reruns. I remember seeing it. It was on like Sunday mornings, something like that at one point in time. Uh, and it was really just sort of a live action cartoon of a band who was very much like an American version of the Beatles uh, that would never make it. The 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 whole storyline is that they're never going to make it. They're just a garage band. Um, after a year of doing the show, they took the reins and took over musical control of the band and they started choosing their own songs, started recording their own stuff, started writing their own stuff. Uh, and uh, this song ended up being sort of the theme song for the movie that they used to kill that, that cartoon childhood band. They did a movie uh, with Jack Nicholson and Bob Rafelson called... Uh, head and it was just this far out trip of a movie that absolutely did everything they could to kill their their uh, childhood image it's very much what miley cyrus is doing right now to hannah montana <laughs> it's uh they they came out and they did every wild kind of crazy thing they could and they really stretched their musical limits uh this song i mean it would be like if you were born and and your mother was a huge i don't know what one direction or new kids on the block or whatever fan and you had that music and you accepted that music but then uh hidden at the end of that musical road is this crazy insane transcendental experience where it all becomes uh bare that it was a fiction uh but that you can still enjoy it and you can still get beyond that so uh it's a beautiful song it was a great song and then finding out that uh jim and and other guys in the band uh, really dug the song too. That that just made it even more so a, a uh, an immediate addition to our set list. I, I believe you went from the Beatles to Hannah Montana in, in I believe what to two degrees of separation. There, yeah. that might be a record. I, I got whiplash. Trust me, bro. I can do it anytime. <laughs> no, but to what to just to, to add on to what uh, Chad alluded to, it, uh, I I. I grew up watching the, the the monkey shows like he did with with my mom and and when they they came out on MTV in the mid eighties I remember getting really into it not even knowing that this this film and this whole basically them just laying waste to everything that had come before at the end was was what had happened until I got further into the story like most of us but any long and short of it uh, I I found myself in an interesting situation years ago in a basement, uh, under special circumstances, in a controlled situation, we'll say, and I heard this, uh, we we played this song for at least five hours, as long as the experience would last, shall we say, and uh, I was I was sold even more so, and so when Chad said, oh, you know, it'd be kind of fun, I think he kind of presented it almost as a lark, you know, let's just mess around with, with, with this and see what we can do, and it's like, that actually kind of sounds kind of good, and then we talked about, well, now we're going to talk about recording. Do we really want to record this? Like, why not? We're kind of happy with how we how we approach it. So, it's it's been you know it's been a mainstay in, in our sets since the the very first show, and I I don't see it coming out anytime soon. Do you have anything to say about it, Erica? 
Oh, I like the song. I, I didn't hear it before again. I just feel like I'm like, oh, dude, I'm from another generation. <laughs> they were like, let's play the porpoise song. So I had to go home and like Google it because, you know, I didn't want to look cool. <laughs> Uncool, rather. And uh, But it was pretty rad. But I think at the beginning, Chad said, hey, maybe you should sing this song. And I think we gave it a go a few times. And I was like, I'm, I'm just not into it. And that's really when it was like, you know what? Just let's harmonize it. And that's when it was like, oh. Yeah, I, back pocket. <laughs> I think trying to sing it myself. I, I tried it wasn't to. There. I tried to run it myself at home, sort of acoustic guitar, and it was uh, horrific. Mickey Dolan's voice on that song is the most beautiful, feminine. Fe- it's the best female vocal track of the '60s, in my opinion. And I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> it, it should have been Grace Jones or something like that, but it was Mickey Dolan's, who is all man. Uh, but uh, it just didn't work for me. I didn't, I wasn't feeling it. Uh, and then Erica again did the thing and it didn't, uh, quite work. But then cricket bows is about bringing together these opposites. The reason that there has to be a male and a female lead vocalist is because it is about, uh, black and white. It's about light and shade. It's about non-duality. It's about, uh, I mean, I'm saying things that are dualistic, but it's, it's about the, the, the bringing together of all those, those dualistic things into right. one thing to make a, a, a perfect thing. That's why the album is called Diamonds. Uh, we're all just uh, lumps of charcoal, but you put us in a room together and put enough pressure on us and it turns into uh, something really beautiful. So when we did it, when I, when I let my fear go and I allowed myself to fully sing the song out and not be scared. I came from a band where I was very masculine and it was very much about being, I was leading with my fist and my dick, you know what I mean? And cricket bows is completely not about that at all. Uh, so to let myself be bare and to sing from my true voice and then to have Erica to back that and, and support that. It was, that's when the, that's when the one voice happened in that song, kind of. And there's a lot of that on diamonds, uh, charcoal we recorded. Um, uh, and the, the producer, uh, of the album, Brian Olive, who was in a band called the Greenhorns and Soldad Brothers and won a Grammy for helping produce Dr. John's last record with uh, one of the guys from the Black Keys, Arbach, Dan Arbach, I think is his name. Uh, not a Black Keys fan, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's, a, he's a, a fantastic guy. He very much became sort of a, an extra member of the band during that time a little bit. But um, he, he liked to do things, you know... Uh, Usually when you go into the studio these days, you mic every single drum, uh, and I think he put two or three mics on your kit. He had, he had uh, two ribbon mics overhead, and he had a he had a mic on my between my snare and my hi hat. I think that was it. It was like it was like old '60s Motown yeah. recording. We're using as we're using limited mics, so a, a lot of the vocals were he put Erica and I face to face on one mic and said, "Now you guys have to be." one voice and you have to mix yourself. If you're louder than her, step back. If she's, you know, like you got it. And that's what we do on stage anyways. It was really natural for us to yes. do it. Uh, and, and luckily so he, he really thought that was going to be an experiment that might fail, but we hit everything, I think in one or two takes uh, performing and yep. singing. And, uh, it was really, it was really something, something special. So sometimes you need a producer that's willing to tell, you no. When they think they need to, and sometimes you need a producer like Brian who's willing to say, "Sure, let's try it." And he was—I heard a lot of yes from him. Um, it also helped that we kind of had a really good idea of what we wanted to do. We we weren't trying to be too super fancy with it, and we were fairly well rehearsed when we got there. But he he was a he was a sure let's try it guy. So origin story. So the origin of cricket bows 
it, there's, there's a long story and there's a short story, uh, and I will try to land somewhere in between. I had, um, uh, I had uh, a massive, uh, I, I've called it, I've called it a, a spiritual breakthrough, but it wasn't spiritual. It was a, uh, I had a chemical breakthrough uh, at, a, uh, at a Black Crows concert uh, at the uh, Grand Old Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, I took 10 hits of acid, and uh, I stood there in those church pews and let the music flow through me. Uh, and it basically washed me clean of the heavy crust that I had been carrying uh, of sort of anger and aggression and resentment and things like that that, that I think that I, I fairly well uh, exercised through my previous bands. Um, but I just had this, I mean, I, I melted. I completely melted. I, I melted into the pews. I had, it was, I was crying. I, I had my, it was the biggest, like, it, I felt like I was at church. I was standing there raising my hands, hallelujah, feeling the air move in this room where Hank Williams had once moved this air. Elvis had once vibrated these church pews. And I just, I cried like a child. Uh, and I had, I've always recorded songs like this. I've always had a, a sort of psychedelic leaning. Uh, even the Jackalopes has a lot of weird little psychedelic breaks and things like that. Um, but I started writing these really stripped down songs. I started recording them. Uh, flash forward to my second daughter being born. Uh, I spent all of that time uh, sort of hermetically sealed up in my house, not seeing anybody, not dealing with anybody, working as little as possible, uh, dealing with a weird, uh, almost like a depression that happened post, uh, psychedelic experience. Uh, and, uh, these songs started coming out. So I started recording them. Um, I had no idea that I would put them out. Uh, I was just going to share them with some friends. Uh, that's a common story you hear from people that record music, but I really was going to just share it with my very close friends. And I had reconnected with one guy that I had a band with years ago, and we were going to do a thing together. And so uh, we were both super obsessed with Jane's addiction. And in the song Three Days, Perry says, my head it landed to the sound of cricket bows. And that always stuck in my head. And I, and I fetishi fetishize my childhood and my past, so I stole that uh, lyrical idea and deemed our new band together that name. Well, it so happened that he wasn't ready to pursue anything seriously musically. Uh, so I slapped the name sort of haphazardly on some artwork and I put out my album, uh, online and I started to get really good response from it. Like I got some great reviews from overseas, um, local guys who I never thought would like me or anything like that kind of came out of the woodwork to pat me on the back and tell me how awesome this stuff was. And it was, I mean, it was, some of it was really poorly recorded. So I really felt like I was, I was really laying it out there. I was really laying myself out naked. So it felt really good to get a good, uh, response back. Uh, so Michael Bissig, uh, who, uh, I had been tattooing for some number of years, a music teacher, um, and uh, I knew he could play all sorts of different kinds of instruments and stuff, so I had him sort of cited to be uh, a, a member of the band. I never thought he would join up with, you know, he plays, he, he can get paid to play music, you know what I mean? He can go and play uh, a big, well-playing places. He's a, a you know, sort of trained, well-trained saxophonist, guitar player, uh, flute, whatever you need him to do. Uh, it's really annoying. It's really annoying. <laughs> and uh, so I, I really thought he'd say no, so I kind of 
I put it out there. I, I would play the music in front of him, and he would always give me good response. So finally, I asked him to do it. Uh, we got together in his basement. We found just the first sort of drummer bass player that we could find, uh, and neither of those guys sort of were able to commit or fit the bill. It just sort of felt awkward. And I, I think we laid it down for nearly a year, like just kind of didn't do anything with it. Uh, in the meantime, Mike had, had uh, visited the tattoo studio with Erica at some point in the past. They were friends, brought her into the picture. Uh, and I, I felt a connection with her that she was sort of a kindred musical soul. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of became basic friends on Facebook. Jim, I've known for years and years. He's always been in my back pocket as a guy that I was going to replace a Jackalopes drummer with if need be, uh, if, if he would have me. You, you've uh, had a few drummers. I've had a few drummers. I have been through some drummers. Uh, and Chris Korn, I've known Chris. I, I think I played uh, the, the first show I played with Chris Korn. It might have still been the 80s. I think it was the early 90s, very, very early 90s. So uh, he's... Uh, phenomenal bass player also a huge fan of all the same kind of music we are it just all happened after after this sort of initial mixing of things it just sort of all fell into place chris wrote to me and said hey are you calling your band cricket bows because of jane's addiction i said yeah and eric avery from jane's addiction is one of his favorite musicians so i said you want to play and he said yeah let's do it and uh uh, kind of same thing with Jim and just the time worked out and he was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's see what happens. And, uh, we all got in the basement together and some of it was really rough because it was, we were finding our footing. Uh, but there were enough magical moments to kind of keep us coming back to it. And, uh, and it just really grew into something beyond, um, you know, just a band to play those songs I had written. I, I, immediately, those old songs kind of just wilted and fell away. There's not much. I think that first album, there's maybe one song that we do a very different version of now. And the second album that I did also by myself, uh, I think there's only two or three songs on that that we touch now. Everything really is that, that Cricket Bows is now is not any of those early recordings. It's a whole new beast. But I, I I don't like to say anything about fate, but that it sort of felt fated that it would fall together in the in the way that it did. You want to input anything on that? I, well, I, I guess the only thing I could really add on that is um, through the through the all uh, encompassing power of Facebook, Chad had put out a a uh, help wanted for for a drummer and. I knew he was doing the cricket bows thing, and I was still wrapping my mind around my my previous image of him, which he had already explained uh, earlier in this this conversation. <laughs> and it's like that is he is he really doing this? And I actually thought it was a complete gag. He's he's, he's totally gagging on psychedelic rock, and I just thought he was joking. But <laughs> but uh, no, it's, as as you can hear, he, he's not joking. He's been very dedicated to it for a while, and he's he's done the work. He's done the road work. So I knew he was serious and. And I said, well, if you're if you're looking for someone still, you know, I'd love to come out and, and give it a try. And they never sent me home. So uh, and and Chris, I, I was I was already happy. But when Chris got involved, Chris and I go way back. Chris was one of the first people I met when I moved back up here from from Georgia in '92, and. Um, he was in a, a band called Acme, and I was in a band called Freudian Slip, and we played most of our shows. Freudian Slip didn't play a lot, but all the shows we played, like 98% of them had Acme involved with them. And so we, we played out at Brookwood Hall, and we played at Rebo's like everybody else. And, and uh, so Chris and I got to be really good friends, and we ended up being in a band together a couple of years after that that lasted for about four or five years called Colonel Bleep. And so Chris and I have always kind of just had this you know, this musician, uh, musical brotherhood, I guess, for lack of a, a, a better made up term. 
I came along, it was a little awkward because I really didn't have anything to go off of. Chad had Facebook messaged me and asked, hey, soul sister, <laughs> I got a project I need you for. And I was like, I'm not going to turn you down. So uh, I went in listening to some of his older stuff, and I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, what there's do no lady part, <laughs> you know. So uh, I gave it a whirl. You know, and, and he kept stressing, this is a democracy. This is a shared opinion, and I want to know, and I want your input. And if there's something that needs to happen here, you need to speak it. And so I was fully out of my comfort zone, not really sure what to do. And I think it really took three or four practices for us to get together and just, you know, let our guards down and trust one another and then had magic happen. That was loud. Jesus. <laughs> loud magic. Sorry. I'm a loud snapper. Anyway, um, <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we had it, it was an interesting little journey for me because I came in fairly, I mean, I was the last one in, I suppose. I don't remember, but I think so, yeah. Because uh, James was there, and then it was, well, yeah, that was it. I was the last one in, so. Yeah, and well, and you could tell there is a, to, to, to what Erica's point was, there wasn't really a spot for her. She kind of had to find her spot. Yeah. And and Chad said earlier that you know he was trying to find ways to get her more involved, so that we we're no longer trying to find a spot for her. She just that's her spot. This yeah, is what I she does. Yeah, I think that was where I was struggling. Was that um, creatively, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. These are your babies. These are your songs. And who am I to come in and say, you know, maybe this should be extended or slowed down? And you know, I, I wasn't really sure yet where my place was and it turned out when I made made epic decisions to do something and I think one of the first times that I ever made a very bold choice was in Gracious Peasant and that song where I I I don't and it had to have just been the energy in the room because I just let a rip and it was like there it is okay let's do this next week you know yep. and I was like all right okay I did it I can do this and so from then on I felt like we had a partnership as far as um musical I don't know what the word is uh anyway yeah we had a good direction together so it was enjoyable uh influences uh do you want to start this one, Jim? Why would I? Why do you want to pick me? <laughs> I'm sitting at the back of the classroom for a reason. You know, they're always going to call on me in math class. Well, let, let, I, I will start with what I envision to be sort of at the basis of Cricket Bow's influences. We have we 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 each bring uh, very different sets of influences to the table. Uh, but as you see in those sort of math diagrams of the Vesica Pisces or whatever, where the two circles overlap it's and that necessary. little eyeball in the middle where the, where the essence of, of the two things are, we have a lot of that. We all have, uh, even, you know, Erica being younger, I think Jim and Chris and I are pretty much exactly the same age. Pretty close. Yeah. Uh, and Mike, I think is just a hair younger. Right. And then Erica's the youngest. Um, we all have very different backgrounds, very different musical tastes. There, there are certain things that kind of come in there. And they're, and they're almost what you consider to be sort of generic bands, but I think they're archetypal, enormously influential bands. There's, there's a Led Zeppelin influence uh, that's, that's enormous. Though we don't try to sound like them, there is an enormous influence from that. Uh, there's an enormous influence from all of those classic bands like the Beatles and the Stones uh, and things like that. And then we dip into... 
I, I mean, you could go decade to decade and find those bands. Uh, you know, in the 70s, there are those specific bands that we would all sort of be drawn to, whether we had heard them before or not, which sometimes in Erica's case, she hadn't heard the bands uh, that we talked about. Obviously, she had heard Zeppelin and all that. But some of the bands we talk about, she hadn't heard of. But the minute that she did, she got it on such a deep level that it was just it was just her time to, to come to it, you know. Uh, but uh, and then in the 80s, there are bands that, that, that uh, were sort of pioneering, um, cutting edge, new wave sort of bands and things like that. There were, uh, and then all of the 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 heavy metal stuff that once it sort of broke through and transcended its uh, artifice and became, you know, sort of stripped down and real and bare into the 90s. A lot of the bands that would have been the the prototype bands or the the leading bands of the grunge movement, you know, your Nirvanas and, and uh, you know, whatever, Faith No More, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Primus, like all of those great bands, we, we all share those in common. And at the core of all of those bands is a group of people who are having some sort of great chemistry, uh, whether short-lived or long-lived, and they're writing real songs. None of our bands that we are into individually that, 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 that form part of our collective influence are um, just about the, the, the uh, surface. You know, It's a hard thing when I promote Cricket Bows as a psychedelic rock thing it immediately brings to mind a particular type of haircut, a particular type of shirt, a particular type of pants, a particular sound of distortion, a particular type of light show, but you don't think about the songs. And a lot of bands that describe themselves as psychedelic rock bands are amazing in the moment that you might be experiencing them, but you don't walk away singing their songs. You don't walk away necessarily moved by their, their music. Uh, so it's all these bands that relate back to some archetypal formula of blues rock jazz whatever uh personally my influences are super vast um and not that that, that i'm like uh just a head full of like awesome shit like i like terrible stuff that people hate i don't mind Katy perry or miley cyrus or any of that shit i've got a 10 year old and <laughs> that stuff makes me just as happy as uh you know, a great Rolling Stones song. It really can. Um, but I have those things that move me and that make me want to laugh, make me want to cry, make the hair stand up on my arms. And what Cricket Bows is about for me is trying to allow that channel out of myself. My, my previous bands have all been, let's take the base of some other one or two niche bands the jackalopes was just we took the ramones the motorhead and and the misfits and smacked them together you know like that it was very formulaic um my band coh was very much nirvana mud honey tad you know the dirty seattle grunge bands um and 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 then trying to put my own soul into that with cricket bows um everybody is leaning back and playing their heart more so so that's where those bands are the sort of bands that uh i think drive that I totally talked in a circle on that. I, I think I think you you covered it. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, lo- locally, uh, we all came up in 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 music. For me, local bands that I was influenced by, they they don't necessarily influence what Cricket Bows sounds like. I mean, they do. Not that we try to sound like any of them, but I came up in in the era of early Haunting Souls and uh, Sunken Giraffe and. Bands that were of the punk rock ilk, uh, playing independent shows in town, 
but they all had something else. The first time I saw Haunting Souls, they played uh, Are You Experienced by Jimi Hendrix. Uh, you know, but they looked like a, a crusty New York punk band. Um, all the bands from Dayton that, that, that I've been into and that I've played with through the years, Jim, Jim's band Freudian Slip, Chris's band Acme, their band together Colonel Bleep. Uh, there were bands like, gosh, Factory Dog and Drained and Strawberry Love Gel. And uh, I'm having a flashback saying some of these names. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm trying to remember. There were all these, Dayton has a thing of like, we've got a working class Americana kind of basis you know you're, you're going to get that Mellencamp uh indiana kind of vibe because we come from the cornfields too but there's something else in the water here that all i can say is it's is it that it's psychedelic or it's spiritual or it's something i mean guided by voices whether you like them or not you listen to those songs and it's about even if the song is about a beer or an airplane there's there's this thing about we are flying we are uplifting the spirit in this moment we are here to to be in rapt joy with each other and that's a, a lot of bands in a lot of towns that i've been to are just about you know let's let's play songs that sound like other band songs that we like and try and get laid and get drunk and dayton has a different thing and i don't know if it's because we have more or less opportunities than anybody else or what the the thing is but I, there's a definitely a dayton band strand uh being that we have mostly all been in them but uh there's a dayton band thing that runs through it i think that if you like the most you know if you, if you talk dayton bands with people they're immediately going to talk about guided by voices the breeders swearing at motorists um those bands if you like those bands you will probably like us too though we don't try to be like or sound like any of them in the same way that they don't try to be like or sound like each other um so that's kind of that's my Dayton slant. Uh, locally speaking, uh, there were bands like obviously the Jackalopes. I, I went to a lot of their shows, and that's how I got to know Chad. Um, Mondelux was was one of my favorites, and that's how I got to know and ended up playing with some of those guys in, in something different. Um, in uh, Dementia Precox, uh, that that was a Dayton band that that most people who've been around for a little bit know who, know who they were, and, mm. and 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 I got to be a, a small part of. So locally, those are some of the the iconic bands. Not that there aren't the ones I'm not naming, I can't think of, or just can't remember but there were some really good ones but those are some of the main ones for me locally speaking yeah you guys talk about like the early 90s i was like in sixth grade <laughs> i'm like oh i'm out of this talk. Oh, go crap. but I, uh to go back to your influences and talk about um some of the people that you were talking about me not being fully aware of who they were all the time but when i was a youngster my uh my parents were divorced. My dad was best friends with uh, Greg, who owned Dingleberry. So when ah. I was a youngster, I would always sit on the floor in there. I mean, for hours while they're doing whatever they're doing, hanging out. And uh, I was just fully just dumped into this plethora of music. Exposed just, yes, to it. Yes, very, like, flipping through just record after record, just looking at the art, being like, oh, that's inappropriate. And just going, you know, <laughs> whether I knew it or not, I was fully, like, just emerged in it. And then at home with my mom, being, you know, a city chick, we would be listening to Whitney Houston and with the windows down. So she was definitely a Lionel Richie type of cruiser. So... It's in there, so I think that's kind of where my influences come from. Because when they name drop, and I'm like, "Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know," but I go look it up. I'm like, "Okay, um, I have to pull these things from my subconscious and and know that it's in there." It's kind of surreal in that kind of way, where it comes full circle when they mention it. So, and Erica kind of reminded me of something too. She was talking about her, you know, 
kind of being aware of music and, and sitting at Dingleberries, which was definitely uh, an awareness for me too when I was much younger. But um, uh, but I also had a, 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 another person I should mention is Sharon Lane because um, my mom and Sharon were were best friends for years and years and years um, from before I was even around. So I used to sit. We'd go over there and hang out, and I used to sit on the floor of her house as a toddler, and in the same house she lives to this day, and there'd be all kinds of music playing on the stereo, and it would vibrate the floor, and, you know, I'd hear it. I'd hear stuff like Journey, or I'd hear the Beatles, and there'd be kind of like Chad was talking about earlier, there'd be a wide array of stuff going on. Sometimes it was just whatever was on the radio, or sometimes they were spinning albums, but that was one of my first, you know, remembrances of awakenings of wow there's all kinds of really cool sounds and it filled that big house of hers and in in the, the whole place vibrated it's like this is a great time i want to come over to sharon's all the time so i should mention her as well sharon lane is very much one of those kind of musicians that if you're in her presence when she plays whether she's playing in a room and there's no stage or she's on a stage she's she's a very sweet little sort of unassuming woman and she's give you a hug and hi honey and this and that and she's she's anybody's sort of sister mom or or whatever uh and then she gets on stage and it's almost as if she just even if she's playing somebody else's songs she's almost just completely laid every nerve she's got bare she has so much soul and vibration that just to to be in a room with her uh playing music is like uh that's a huge influence in and of itself. So for Jim to have experienced that firsthand as a little kid is like, uh, that's probably definitely heavily, deeply affected your genetic DNA or whatever. I didn't wear how I wasn't aware how lucky I was at the time, but yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 This is my mom's boring music friend or whatever. And then <laughs> years later, you're like, Holy crap. That was amazing. <laughs> Memorable shows. I gotta say the first one. Do it. I think, I think the first one, the very first show when we were, officially assembled this is it where you know you'd had the years of making albums uh, on your own and and we'd kind of talked it up and and we'd gone on radio and talked about it here and there but it's like but until the rubber meets the road you know and you're in front of everybody you don't know what you got and and i've been fortunate enough when when i've been a part of a project in our very first our very first show you kind of get a a feeling whether or not it's going to be special and from that first show, I don't know why it works that way. It just does, and and that was that was one of the the best first shows I'd ever played, uh, just as a collective unit. Not me personally, just being there and being a part of it. The audience really responded well to it. it the, the, the stage kind of felt like it, it was breathing on its own, and we were just kind of, you know, riding the wave. And and so I got to say, the the very first show we played live, where it was all right, it's time to put up or shut up, and it, and we played well, and the audience uh, really fed it back to us. What was that? That was um, Canal Street. That was at Canal Street. With, I, was with that Jossel, the, right? I believe so. Uh, and the, the house was packed. Mick Montgomery, it was still Canal Street Tavern. Mick Montgomery was still the man in charge. Uh, I grew up playing music in front of Mick Montgomery, as did Jim and, and some of the other guys. Uh, and I've many times come off stage and got maybe a little pat on the back from Mick. Uh, after Cricket Bows played that night, he pulled me into his office and he talked to me for about 40 minutes and just told me about how you guys are the real deal. You're the root. You're coming from where the 13th floor elevators were coming from. Rocky Erickson, he's like, I go all the way back. I know all this stuff. You guys are the real stuff. I got it. You got to be back next week. I got the immediately started trying to book us with every kind of act that he could figure out how, you know, I think you'd go really good with this bluegrass band from Athens. I think you'd re- go really good with this metal band. That's that I total got Mick. That's definitely that's Mick. You know, he'll do that to you. But, uh, 
it that was one of the, that, that I, I absolutely that was that was a high point of my life, let alone my my musical life to have somebody that I respected like Mick Montgomery pull me aside and really take the time to not just say, oh, you guys are good tonight. Thanks for making some money and selling some beers, you know, uh, but to say, like, I heard this in your music. I heard that in your music and I'm excited by it at my age after being jaded by seeing all of these, you know, millions of bands cross this stage you know, now you guys are in this pantheon of, of the real thing that I've seen, you know, that was, that, that, that blew my mind. That was an amazing show. That was a fantastic show. And Mick is, is kind of like the Johnny Carson of, of, of Dayton music in that, you know, if he, if he calls you in and says, if he says something nicely, you're just glad to get it. If, but in, in, in Chad's case, if he pulls you in, you get to go up on the couch and talk to him. That, that means that, that he actually thinks something special of you. So a compliment from him, uh, goes a long way with, with, with people of, of our generation. What's what's great with Cricket Bows as far as our shows, we've had we've had a variety of different sorts of turnouts. We've had the completely wall to wall packed house. And we've played to just the bar staff. You know what I mean? It's 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 um uh, and it, all bands should go through that. All all bands should have that. For some of us that have been around forever, uh, you sort of move into another band that's a lot like the last band, so you can kind of bring the crowd with you. And hopefully you sort of move into just upkeeping that crowd. Um, we all stepped into a project with Cricket Bows that is completely not related, really, to anything else we've ever done. Uh, and so we don't bring any crowd. So every time we play, uh, we have those hardcore people that have been coming since the beginning or that we pick up every new show. You know, you, you play to a show of 200 people and you pick up one person. They come back the next time. Um, so we have those, but it's like, it's like, we're still, we're, it's still really new to us. We're still, we're still finding those fans and who our crowd is. And I'm, I'm, I, I, as an artist and as a fan of sort of fabricated bands like Kiss and the Monkeys and things like that, or bands that just already, always existed. Um, I'm really good at packaging something up. So like Jim was saying before the first show, I had a great logo. We had good looking stuff on the internet. The song sounded pretty good that we were sharing around. You only show the best video snippet. You only show the best shot photograph of each of you on the website or whatever. And I can, I can make your band look like the biggest band in the world in a weekend. Uh, and I had, you know, I had, uh, great press quotes already before we played a show. I had press quotes from Russia before we played a show. Uh, but then when you get on that stage and you're scared shitless that you're not going to pull it off, uh, you know, we would have band practices where we would run the set once uh, and it would be okay. It'd be a little rough. We'd go outside, have a little smoke break, come back inside. Magic. So what do you do if you're playing Canal Street or, uh, you know, Blind Bob's or the Planetarium or Jilly's or wherever we've played and that first set's not the one, you know what I mean? That's kind of scary. So uh, it's, it's been, uh, every show has been memorable to me to a certain degree, uh, but I also am so out of my own head uh, at those shows that like I couldn't remember who we played with at our first show. And I, I'm glad I remembered that it was Jostle uh, because they really gave us a big break in, in, in bringing us along to play that show. Um, but uh, they all they all do sort of, meld together into one big long show at this point so it's hard to remember specifically who we've played with and when and where at this point almost that boonshoff show last year was really it was also very memorable because you're playing that planetarium and you have all this 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 killer footage going on above you and it's 
and whether you're into psychedelia or not, you are when you're there. Yeah, you're it's you're it was you're there. To us. Yeah, I, I I tried to stay down. I I remember looking up at the ceiling twice, just twice, and the second time I almost fell off my stool. So I I decided for the sake of the song, I'm I'm just going to look straight forward and and keep watching the rest of the band. Yeah, yeah. the weirdest thing happened to me at the Planetarium show. I was sitting in the in the crowd for the first act, and I was getting nauseous and seasick because of the intense like 3d visuals that were going on in the room it was like we were spinning in space and on a roller coaster at the same time and i i had to close my eyes i, f- I felt like a total old man like i used <laughs> i used to love roller coasters as a kid and then i hit an age where like roller coasters just don't agree with me anymore kids <laughs> but uh so i'm sitting there dying i thought i thought i would maybe fall over when we got up at the front of the room to play uh, but I, I went into total, like, auto I, – I don't remember any of it. Like, one other thing I should say about that show, too, is that there, there were adults and there were small children in the, sh- in the show, which I'm not used to playing rock and roll music to small kids. And I thought, oh, this could go really bad. I don't know. I mean, because you know, most of us know kids that, that you know, a certain age don't have much of an attention span. If you bore them for half a second, you've lost them. And I didn't hear one peep the whole oh. time. They were engrossed in the in the That's show uh, cool. above their heads, and they were taking in the music in front of them. So I I I thought this could be a complete disaster, and it turned out to be quite the opposite. Uh, I like the SRS when we oh. were there at Foreman's place. That was pretty amazing. Absolutely magical. Yeah, show. That more place those. has its own it's it's its own life. It's a living being. That church. Yep. SRS Studios, it's right up the road from Folio here, and it's, uh, what, a hundred-some-year-old church? Yeah. It's uh, it's another world. It is, because you even have to climb up the front steps like, you know, we're getting off our horse here. It's a time capsule, and and the and Jim Foreman and his wife Ellen that live there and are the the caretakers for the room uh, and the house are just fantastic people we played there with uh with the gabbard brothers it was andy and zach from buffalo killers and uh north star society which is uh rich Ruder and uh oh gosh uh i'm forgetting names one of the guys from hazy and the rugged child and anyways fantastic groups that was that was a night that was a magical night that that night was in that building in and of itself, they talked about how awesome building it is, but there's a separate, behind the stage, there's a separate room that's a much bigger auditorium, actually, where he's got projects and found things and things he's bought uh, he's bought off of businesses that have closed locally. Uh, the original Night Owl sign is there. That, you know, that the place that, that, that uh, Blind Bob's is now, the Night Owl sign is, is, is there. It's just it's there. In his house. You know, it's just you at his touch house. touch it before you play yeah, if you need like to. Yeah, it's like the cornerstone of Dayton. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, there. and there's no MRSA involved with it. That's good. But there's all kinds of stuff in that, that if he lets you go in that, that back auditorium, there's all kinds of stuff that you, you'll remember or maybe that, uh, that he's got like a cool clock from from uh, a Belmont paint store that shows, you know, the whole map of driving through Belmont and how to get to the, th- and the Belmont theater and all yeah, that the stuff. Drive-in so thing. yeah, it was, that's, that's the stage itself was great. And just walking around, I kept finding myself loading up my phone with pictures cause he, he, he lived out in LA. So he worked with and knew a lot of famous people. So he's got all sorts of pictures. I'm talking hundreds of pictures of, of him with Brian Wilson, people, Paul McCartney. Yeah. I mean, he's worked with or the big, knows. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's quite impressive. Yeah, it's really neat. Really, really good spot. We recorded uh, we recorded at a studio called The Diamonds, 
in Cincinnati last year with Brian Olive, uh, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, and uh, that album will be called Diamonds. Uh, we've sort of been sitting on it in the age of being able to just put your album out immediately online. Uh, it's a little too precious for us to do that. Uh, and we're not uh, fully of the the uh, current uh I guess run of people crowdfunding their stuff. It's it's a it's a stressful hard thing uh, to to ask uh, for money for people uh, to to pay for your album to be uh, manufactured. Uh, we don't play every single weekend, so we don't have like a huge band fund account set up uh, with money set aside. So we're sort of waiting uh, for the right time to put this album out. So we don't have a heavy uh, set in stone calendar date yet for its release, but it will be out at least on CD, if not uh, vinyl as well, this year, uh, hopefully uh, in time for our performance at Sideshow. Uh, but I'm not sure that, that we'll make it in time for that. Um, but we do have a new album coming out this year called Diamonds. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, our website is cricketbows.com. Uh, all of those places are handled by us. We don't have a team that uh, is out running around and, and making sure to update everything. So sometimes the Facebook's updated and the website's not and uh, vice versa. So uh, I think the best place to follow us is probably Facebook. We also have a special uh, secret uh, Facebook group for our uh, close friends and fans and family that we call the Cricket Bows Treehouse. Uh, and that ends up being a place where uh, every week I, I will post a Spotify playlist. Sometimes we source that from the group. We have people uh, input songs uh, that they want to hear on the playlist. Sometimes I just put it together myself and put it out. I think the last three weeks I've done that. Um, and uh, but it ends up being a place where I can I can share my little demo videos. A lot of times when I write a song, instead of just recording it, I'll do a video so I don't forget how to play it. When I I have to really, I'm not a trained musician. I don't write down notes, so it's it's best to have visual and audio representation of what I'm doing. So I'll do that, and then I'll upload it to the to the gang, the Cricket Bows band, uh, for them to hear and see and critique, uh, or just to get it in their head for when when we try to run it at the. Uh, rehearsals, uh, but I'll also share those with the backstage uh, or the treehouse people um, so that they can get a, a look at what we're doing and where we're going and they can have input on it. And uh, uh, just trying to kind of keep our little uh, thing growing and trying to keep our sort of little village and our little community happy. Uh, and some people are into just, you know, let me know when your band's playing and maybe I'll be there. And some people want to react and interact with you uh, every time you post something. And we have, we have both types of fans uh, and we welcome them all. And uh, yeah. We're, We're Cricket Bows, Bows and, and you've been, been listening, listening to, to the Gem City, City Podcast. Podcast. Thank you for listening, everyone. And please go check out the Gym City Podcast at gymcitypodcast.com. Please follow Gym City Podcast on social media at Gym City Podcast. And follow me on social media at The Izzy Rock. And go to theizzyrock.com and check out my podcast, Tales from the Hard Side and On the Block. Please go rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. And tell your friends, coworkers, and family about it. Please come out May 8th and 9th to the Sideshow Dayton. Go to DaytonSideshow.org for more information. Admission is free. Donations will be accepted to support the event. 
The Dayton Circus Creative Collective recognizes the potential of every individual to create. We empower the members of our community by helping them actualize their dreams. We value the contributions of everyone and we support each other with a true sense of community. We know that through collaborating with others, we create something greater than ourselves. So guys, please come check out Sideshow. Please come check out Sideshow. It's going to be a blast. There's going to be so many cool bands. We're all going to be there podcasting, hanging out. So if you want to check it out, please go to DaytonSideshow.org or check out their Facebook page. Some of the bands performing have been on the Gym City Podcast. Cherry Lee and the Hot Rod Hounds, Cricket Bows, Dip Spit, Deuterus, Night Beast, Sidekick Complex, Achilles Tenderloin, Kevin Milner, Moroni Lane, and so many more artists are playing, guys. Come check it out. Dayton Sideshow. Vincent Holiday will be leading. He'll be hosting the comedy show. Come out. Hang out. It's free.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.